Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Christmas around the corner. I can tell you that because they sent out the thing yesterday saying, would you like to work Christmas? Bit of a daft question where I'm involved because uh, I always do. Because I work on the assumption if I finish at seven or eight in the morning, that's fine, isn't it? I just pootle down to the family. They then do me lunch. I then come back up and then the next day go down for another Christmas lunch. So it all works out quite nicely. So I never know why people ask me every Christmas, but I think out of a sense of duty, they say, you know, uh, would you like to, to work Christmas or have Christmas off? But I don't know what I'd do if I had it off. <coughs> Sorry, anyway. Uh, the old Bill have reunited. Yes, the old members of the cast are reunited because they're showing it on one of the channels again. Why they ever dropped it, I've got no idea. They've they've gone since then. I watched a programme last night. It was so dreadful. It was un, unreal. Holly Willoughby, who we quite like, doing a sports programme. I mean, seriously, talk about out your depth. Also, uh, Victoria Beckham getting crustier with a pizza van ad. I mean, she's seeking legal advice. Got a good case, I think. And uh, Sinead O'Connor... Oh dear, not in a good place at the moment. Not in a good place. She's been in a bad place before, as we uh, know. Roughly the same as Sarah Harding over on uh, Big Brother, the uh, only programme with no celebrities in it, but a bunch of has-been Americans. And Sarah Harding having her meltdown sitting in the uh, sitting in the uh, the diary room, and then they kept showing it where she sat there just sobbing her heart. She's thirty-five. She's thirty-five, and you know, there's obviously you know nothing going on in her life. There's no career to talk about. There's no nothing. And so this is her last chance saloon. And um, as I say, it didn't look good yesterday. And then Paul Dannon, who's another one who's got issues, I think, uh, tried to say, oh, I'm sorry if I offended you all the rest of it. And she just sort of threw it back in his face again. They're just deeply unpleasant, both of them, both of them, that uh, we should have voted her out. We should have got rid of her because she's not in a not in a good place at all. Um, somebody must have um, been to the police already about this jogger on Putney Bridge, because he's clearly identifiable. They think, I think they've got a lead on him. They say he lives in Fulham. So Fulham, Putney Bridge, jogging. Must be on a regular basis. You don't just suddenly decide. So somebody will have him. I mean, if he's, if he's very wise, he will have handed himself into the police. If, he, if he's got half a brain cell. If he hasn't, they'll come knocking on his door because somebody, by all the pictures in the papers today, uh, is going to say, I know exactly who this man is, and they're going to report him. You do yourself a favour, matey, to go to the police and go, it's me, I'm that person in there, and this is what happened. Because apparently, sometimes, runners, I am told, get low blood sugar levels. I should have asked Tom, Tom Waters about that, shouldn't I? Because apparently they get low, low blood sugar levels, a bit like sort of diabetics, and, uh, and then they sort of lash out... A little bit. I don't know why, because I've I've been on the road with loads of joggers in the past. Well, not actually with them. You know, I've been walking along the road and they've, you know, next to me. And um, and, and they've never lashed out at me yet, even though I probably look about the, the unfittest person you could ever see walking along. I mean, I wouldn't want to go jogging. I thought about actually taking part in one of the races, putting on the shorts and the little top with, with a number on it, and then just sort of arriving at the finishing line and going... Easy peasy, you know, just to sort of make sure. But I can't do it because my feet hurt at the moment. Terrible. I don't know why my feet are aching. I think I need to get another pair of shoes. You know you're supposed to rotate shoes. You're never supposed to wear the same pair of shoes every day. And there's a reason for it. The reason is that your feet get acclimatised. That's why if ever you see a second-hand pair of shoes in a charity shop, do not buy them. Because they are, they're geared to somebody else's feet. Somebody else's feet has moulded the bottom of those shoes and it can do you measurable damage. It's like you never see... Sorry? I have got the sketches, but I suddenly realised the sketches are very nice for sort of casual walking. 
And but if you if you do a lot of walking, it makes my legs go tired at the back. You know, I don't know what they call it, but the, but the back of my legs they ache a little bit. You know, and I don't want to look ancient as I'm walking along. I want people to think I'm sprightly, you know. Da, 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 da. Uh, sort of jumping onto the bus as opposed to jumping, missing the rail and falling flat on your face in the gutter, which is generally what happens most of the time. But, uh, no, I mean, and every bus I get on yesterday, every bus I got on, three. Thank you, driver. Oh, God, honestly. Made you just want to sort of get off the bus and go, shut up. Going on about thank you, driver. Two people said it on the same bus. Thank you, driver. And then anyone said, thank you, driver. Oh, God, I didn't say anything when I got off. No point, is there? Uh, Also, the Copter Coppers Chopper movie. It turns out he's a peeping Thomas. A peeping Thomas is somebody... He likes likes those kind of sort of sexual... um, um, frissons kind of thing. I mean, to be honest with you, I've never ever thought about a chopper and a sexual threesome or anything like that, but he, he was into it, so they've jailed him for a year, you know, which is uh, amazing, isn't it, really? Quite amazing. Uh, also, Air Miles Andy, that'll be the bloke in the royal family who doesn't work very much, he doesn't really know what a day's work is. He's sort of, he, he sort of had his job taken away and he still faffs around, mixing with all the wrong people. He's flown off in a private jet with Sarah Ferguson. You know, because she doesn't have anything to do at the moment, does she? And I think one of the daughters. They've gone to Balmoral, because the Queen's on holiday. And um, But, of course, Sarah can only stay there a little while. Because the moment Prince Philip arrives, she's out the door. He hates her. He's already categorically stated, I do not, that woman, want her in the house when I'm there. So the moment he arrives, she's out. She can go and stay in a travel lodge down the road or something. Glenn Campbell died, the Rhinestone Cowboy. My favourite song of his, not the Rhinestone Cowboy, but Galveston. Galveston was one of my favourite songs. I thought it was, you know, one of those little-known songs. It was like Gene Pitney. People said, oh, 24 hours from Tulsa, backstage and all this kind of thing. Is this, is this Galveston? This is lovely. You listen to this one. Here we go. Here he comes. Galveston, oh, Galveston. I love that song. I bet it's so good. Seems a shame to think he's not with us anymore. 81 he was. He had a lot of, um, lot of he had Alzheimer's. He was trying to compete, uh, complete an album, which he didn't quite get round to, but he left such a legacy. Listen to the orchestrations on this. So, I, I love that song. I really do. It's funny, isn't it? You hear a certain song for somebody, perhaps it means something. The other one I really like was Gene Pitney, as I say, doing this song called Trans-Canada Highway. And it was a most... It was so out of context. I remember we, we played a game on LBC years ago, and one of the other presenters said, have a listen to this song, Steve. See if you can beat the intro. And so I... Uh, and, and he played me the first two bars of this song. Well, of course, I knew it instantly. And he said to me, he said, how did you know that? I said, I've got no idea. I said, I just remembered listening to Trans-Canada Highway... And again, I'd love to have been in at these recordings because this, again, starts off with a, an orchestra and, uh, and it's just... Do you want to have a listen? Little, little tiny listen. Listen to the brass in that, I'll tell you. That's a bit of a... Here we go. I'm going to change the station now and we've got musical. But it's, but it's got a really catchy chorus, this one. And it's the only reason I like it is because Gene Pitney, and he died way too young, way too young. He was the man who brought you uh, the man who shot Liberty, uh, Valance, backstage, all sorts of things. And this is, this is the chorus in this song. And it's, it always reminds me of Truckers. I don't know why. That's because it's Trans-Canada Highway. Here he goes. It's like this. You know what I mean? So good at talking vocals, I can't tell you. It's years of working on music stations. And here we go. Okay, really good, really good. Getting worked up. 
and then comes the chorus. And the chorus is like, you know, you can really get excited over this. Here we go. Three, two, one. I'm in the wrong job here, I tell you. I'm too good for this place. I could have worked anywhere. Yes, between that and then making myself cry at Sibelius earlier on Corellia Suite. I can't help it. Some of the matter. I think I've become, actually, as I've got, you know, into my 40s, I think I'm sort of, I'm definitely getting more emotional about things. I can sit down, I mean, I can still watch E.T. and I can still cry at that stupid moment where E.T., E.T., phone home, E.T., phone home, shh, shh. And I get, and the plant pops up and does its erect bit again, and I'm, I'm sort of going, it's fantastic, and, 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 and then they're going, where are you going? We're going to see the spaceman. Shut up! Shut up! Keep the kid quiet! You know, and, and he's, he's a spaceman. He's a spaceman. We're taking him back to his spaceship. And one of the kids goes, can't he just materialise? This is reality, Greg. It's just fantastic! I love all those... So- you cry at Lord of the Rings. See, I've never even seen Lord of the Rings. Is that the one that's got Frodo in it? Just, it's, you see, I've never seen Lord of the Rings. I can't do anything that's like... Um, it's like Star Wars I never did either, really. I quite like the Stormtroopers, but I'm not really into the thing. But I like sort of human interest films. You know, films that are about either families or, as my friend Ian will tell you, me and him together can sob over Christmas films quite easily. It's funny, isn't it? I'm convinced it's an it's an it's an older person thing. Although, to be honest with you, I was I was crying at things when I was a younger person as well. I think it's I don't know. I don't know why it is. Sometimes I sit down and try and analyse what it is that makes you the person that you are. And I heard a story the other day, and I'll I'll tell you a little bit later on this morning, and it concerns a piano. And it's a really cute story, but it, it might be a story that you've never heard before. But you'll hear it on LBC. Uh, as I say, nobody seems to believe this page three slave sex girl, whatever she is. Uh, she's changed her agent. It's very odd behaviour. That's all I can say is it's odd behaviour. Uh, she appears to have an Italian lawyer. Why? I don't know. Because she's not in Italy. She was kept for three weeks over there. The Italian police seem to have different variations on the story. Uh, her story is a bit odd. Her, a- her agent originally said everything was checked out, but it appeared not. It is odd. You know, how, how long does it take you from the moment you get back to change your agent from somebody who has been looking after your topless career to your new agent, who is a celebrity-based agent, who says uh, there'll be no more topless pictures? Well, they must have thousands, I should have imagined. But that's what you are. You're, if you're a page three girl, you have loads of pictures taken and they circulate. And uh, but now she's been going out and smiling and giving interviews. And I'm thinking something's not quite right here. It doesn't. She's a bit too happy for somebody who's been through a very, very traumatic experience. And I'm sure that the uh, the papers, I mean, one of the headlines in the in the papers, in fact, the sun, once the sun get their teeth into something, you know what they're like, they're, they'll sort of keep going. They say uh, here, 16 questions that must be answered on kidnap model. They don't seem to um, they seem to be too enamoured. By her. We take all your uh, texts and emails, 84850 steve at uk. Uh, plus Sinead O'Connor, that serious video of her absolutely breaking down. As I say, I've interviewed Sinead O'Connor. We got on really well. We got on really well, mainly because I say, I've got that sympathetic side of me. It doesn't come out all the time, but I do have a sympathetic side where I can associate with sort of people's, people's sadness. And there's obviously a lot of sadness in there, but because I don't understand. Uh, people who've got uh, mental illness. You know, I understand what mental illness is and I understand, I think, depression. You know, and the more you see, you suddenly realise it's like cancer. There's lots of different forms of it. Uh, Also, uh, what was the other one again? Oh, yes, Olay's advert. Um, They've said it's misleading. 
And so it's been banned. It's interesting because I keep seeing all these adverts on the television for creams and for lotions and potions and this shampoo that makes your hair, you know, it's a volumizer, and you use this in it and you use that in it. And, and then you suddenly realise it's just a load of old hooey. It doesn't really work all the time. It doesn't work for everybody. And all the people you see advertising this on the television are specific people for advertising. Uh, you have hand models, people who've got perfect hands and nails, you know, hair models, people who've got perfect hair. It looks beautiful. You could do a lot with it. And people who are feet models. There are people who are bum models, people who are booby models, all sorts of different models. And so that's why they look good doing it. You know, and we're all taken in by adverts because we like we like wanting to look good. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. No, you're a much harder worker. Oh, sorry, there you are. Nice to have your company. Welcome along to the programme for this morning. It's uh, Wednesday the 9th of August. Yes, we've got the papers. Yes, we've got the papers. The excitement of having the papers after yesterday's debacle. I was talking to a friend of mine, Toby, and he said, you talked about it for an hour. I said, yeah, we're doing the best of Steve Allen. What do you think we're in? We're in the business of making popular radio programming. I'm too good for this, I tell you. I'm far too good for this. But I will later on play you that little piece of music. Uh, we will look at the um, story of Amir Khan. Remember Amir Khan? That's the one who dallies around and dillies and uh, doesn't know really where he's coming from. But uh, he's now separated from the wife, which we thought was imminent. Which we thought was imminent. I can't be, uh, can't be less than honest and tell you that I thought it was probably on the cards. And um, so now his wife has taunted him with a picture of his uh, daughter while he's taken up with somebody in Dubai. It's, uh, it's a bit sad, really, isn't it? I think they should go and knock on the parents' door and go, excuse me, so what do you think about your son now? Nice person? Not nice person. Come on, do tell us. Also, the pensioner who sets the van on fire, she's, she's got one of these flamethrower things. You know, you plug a canister in and you light the end and it burns the weeds. To be honest, we'd just go and get a spray from Robert Dyer's or somewhere like that, or garden centres, and go... Psh, 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 and within an hour, these things are dead. No, she lights this thing, sets fire to next door's van. Van goes up in flames. Shouldn't laugh, it's not funny. Well, it's funny if it's not your van. And um, and so uh, she went, oh. And the some bloke says, that's my van. As indeed it was. As indeed it was. Uh, the Ryanair bomber, the first picture of the would-be attacker with the device in his bag. Another person who's got quite a few screws loose. In fact, actually, to be brutally honest with you, I think he's actually got all his screws loose. Uh, a picture of the... Uh, the most unlikely couple, the sadness that is poor little Chloe Green, a talentless sort of person who just goes out and is hanging around with a bloke who spent most of his formative years in prison. As I say, old Philip Green must be absolutely delighted. And she's going, but Daddy! Because she did appear on Chelsea at one point, and unfortunately there was nothing really to her. She didn't actually have a life. Uh, Sarah Ferguson, having to rely on the ex, uh, jetting off with uh, with Andy. He was paying for it, apparently. That'll be, a, that'll be something nice, won't it, really? And they took their uh, little dog. Philip is uh, in Sandringham at the moment with a group of friends. The Queen is at Balmoral, but uh, Sarah Ferguson always arrives and departs before the Duke of Edinburgh. He can't stand her. In keeping with the rest of the country, nobody seems to like Sarah Ferguson. Nobody seems to like the Bone Idol children. Nobody seems to like Bone Idol Andy, or Air Miles, as he's called. They just, they just don't like them, and I don't know why that is. They've tried with other people in the past to try and turn around... You know, somebody and say, actually, somebody's really, really nice, but nobody likes Sarah Ferguson. She was always stuck up. Andy was always stuck up. The children have always been bone idle. They've never actually done very much at all, uh, unlike the rest of the family who sort of knuckle down and get on with it. However, the big story of the moment is, uh, is Trump, his chilling warning to North Korea over the nuclear weapons. And uh, it does strike me as uh, we might be sitting 
on the abyss at the moment, right on the edge of the abyss, just waiting for the fire and fury never seen before, Donald Trump says. And a little short, fat bloke with a silly haircut uh, in North Korea thinking, I'm going to nuke America. And I'm thinking, if it push came to shove, if push came to shove, I think that North Korea, plus other little bits of China and South Korea and everything else, could be taken out by America, whose firepower is far in excess of anything that North Korea could have. And as they've just sort of put these sanctions in place, North Korea are now about £3 billion down. So perhaps they'll have to make them out of sort of cardboard boxes or something like that and sticky back plastic. But I don't think they're actually going to... There's not much you can do here. You've got poor old Kim Jong-un sitting there, getting fatter by the day, thinking that he's uh, the big I am. But in his country, he is. Because if you don't agree with what he says, he has you killed. It's, it's as simple as that. There is, there is no easy way out of it. Given the choice, would you like to leave North Korea? Yes, please. Can you? No, we can't. So you're stuck with the little fat bloke who, um, who sort of just does what he wants. Unfortunately, I think he's on a hiding to nothing. But if it comes down to it, and it might, it might come down to it, I'm not, I'm not pushing it to the back of my mind. I'm keeping it very firmly at the front. And I'm thinking if push comes to shove, Trump will be going, who do you think you're talking to, fat boy? You know, you can just see something happening, can't you? I can. I can. Absolutely. Uh, also, the uh, the jogger. The mystery runner. They must have some names. They must have some names already. Somebody go, I know who that is. I can tell you exactly who that is. Because he's in big trouble. He pushed this woman. I mean, thank God the bus swerved. He carried on running. She missed that bus by inches. Literally, if that bus driver hadn't been concentrating, and thank God he or she was... That woman would be dead now. This person would be on a murder charge. You know, officer trying to identify whether the attack is connected to any other incident. Uh, they've sort of checked. They, they've sort of followed the, uh, the route that the jogger took. I mean, this, I mean, if you're running over Putney Bridge, you know, you've got to be reasonably well healed because it's a posh area. Fulham, Putney, all around there. Um, I've never jogged over it. It's got the safety barriers and all the rest of it. But she was running on it or walking on it and he pushes her. And it's a quite deliberate push. Now, whether or not they knew each other, I don't know. Whether or not she said something, I don't know. Whatever it is, though, if he's listening to this programme, because most joggers get up early in the morning to make sure that they're out there because it's better to jog when there's nobody out on the streets. Much easier. If you're listening, young man, I'd get yourself down to the police station very quickly because if they come round to you and you're clearly identified in every single newspaper today, there's not a paper that doesn't carry your picture, you know, and uh, let's face it, I think you're up the creek without the proverbial paddle in this particular case. Uh, there's also, um, uh, well, Glen Campbell, of course, and the family cars. They go on holiday and um, they park them in residential streets. And so the residents, right, bunch of thugs, I'm telling you, have written and vandalised all over their cars. They've written over them. They've smashed their windows in and everything else. Uh, everything from hatchbacks to a Range Rover have been covered in graffiti, uh, bodywork dented. Uh, ten vehicles over the past few days, within a mile of Luton Airport. I mean, to be honest with you, I hope they find the people who actually committed these crimes, because I'll have them in prison so bloody fast, their little feet won't touch the ground. You know, peasants they are. Obviously they go, oh, we don't want people parking here. What sort of person goes around and damages somebody's car? A peasant, ladies and gentlemen. That's what that's the sort of person who actually does it. M&S have bowed to the PC brigade on the baby signs for the gents' toilets. I've got no idea why. What is this PC brigade? How many people are in it? How many people are in the PC brigade? 
How do you join? Is, is there an entry form? Do you have a badge? I'm part of the PC Brigade. I've seen people sitting on the tube with, you know, mother with, with baby or something. I mean, all these prats who sit on buses and tubes with big badges on. You know, I'm part of the PC Brigade. You know, I'm an equal opportunities employer or something like that. Why do you want to... Ba- why, why can't people work out what a toilet is? If you go in there and it's a urinal, it's for the men. If it hasn't got a urinal, it's for the women. And I suppose the next thing is, but sometimes men take their children to the toilet and they have to change nappies. Is there a baby changing facility in the gents' toilet? In a lot of them now, yes. In a lot of them now, yes. We've actually just, uh, you know, started getting round to that kind of thing, which is good, isn't it? I quite like that idea. Yes, would you want to be a member of the PC Brigade? I just, because, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not really PC. I couldn't give a stuff either way. You know, I think if you can't laugh at yourself, you're probably missing the joke of the century. So it's a case of, you know, why don't you just turn the other cheek? Follow that biblical sort of saying, which is, you know, somebody says it, you just turn around, go on, throw stones at me. I don't care. I don't care. Oh, the badge would be nice. I don't know what, what, the, what the picture would be on the badge. I don't know. I don't know, you know, what sort of picture... People being friendly and holding hands and holding out, you know. It's a, but they, there is another picture of that, isn't it? Is it Elbrecht Dürer who's got a picture of two hands or is it somebody else? It's, I can see two hands with sort of like sparks coming out and I can't remember who that is in my mind. But Albrecht Dürer did praying hands. It's quite a nice picture as well. And who did those? Was it Leonardo da Vinci did hands? Just see in my mind. I can see pictures of hands. No, that, that's Albrecht Dürer. Isn't it? That one there, I think. Praying hands. Uh, but there's another one. It's two. Ha- it's like that one there. The, the one, two, three, the fourth picture in. I think it's like that one. There you go. That's the picture. Leonardo. Do you know what I get? It is Da Vinci. It's uncanny, isn't it? I tell you, art expert. I'll be by next. Lingual. And uh, <laughs> what an upsetting day in Apple cart, is there? So, Albrecht Dürer. Chloe just loves the camera, says Kidnap Models X. Well, that's patently obvious. Patently. But, I mean, when, when they say she's got a showbiz agent, for what? For what? Is this to flog her story? Something odd, isn't it? It's very odd. And um, how many people change their passwords on a regular basis? Or how many people use the same password? For a lot of things. Because you can't be bothered to come up with underscore, capital letter, down, Z. F F thirty three and a half. Who can be bothered to do that? Because I've had to start writing them down now. I've had to start writing down. Here, every three months, we have to change our passwords. It's so annoying. And uh, so all I do is I add an extra number on the end. Because f- I've exhausted every rude word that there is. So I used to use bottom, willy, uh, bum boobies, all sorts of things. Because you know, I couldn't think of anything else to put down there. There's no point in putting down something dreary, is there? So, and then I just add numbers on the end of it. Then I kind of ran out of rude words, because my vocabulary is not particularly brilliant with rude words, apart from the really, really rude ones. And so when you phone up the IT department and say, I need to change... What are you using at the moment? Uh, bum titty 43, you know? And uh, they, they don't kind of go a bundle on it, unfortunately. Even, even for me. They can't, they can't make an excuse for Steve Allen anymore. So I've decided to make it easy, but I just add a number onto it. Because the team next door have to know what the password is so that they can log into the computer. Did you work out that we've upped the numbers? We've got... Oh, right, OK. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yes, but... I know. It's always easy just to add one on there because it'll be that. And the people say, but somebody can read your emails. Believe you me, there's nothing to read in there. Nothing to... Nothing, nothing particularly exciting apart from the one we got yesterday from young Hillary saying, um, saying, uh, would you like to let me know if you want to work Christmas? <laughs> and I thought... 
I mean, I'm, I'm all in favour of Christmas, you know me, but, I mean, we are only in, uh, in August. Viv, who is the showman's daughter, says, as you will be aware, as a Funfair fan, all the music always had to be up to date on all the rides when played, so most show people are really on it when it comes to what's popular. Not that I am so much now, but like you, absolutely adored both Glenn and Jean Pitney. Must have confessed, never having heard Trans-Canada Highway, but loved all the hits. My favourite was 24 Sycamore, like you, my favourite one by Glenn was Galveston. And there was a programme on uh, BBC Four where they highlighted how he was coping. There was a programme the other day on embarrassing celebrity bodies, botched things. And on it was the bloke, um, Pete, the one who died, Pete Burns from Dead or Alive. And he's there saying, oh, they've got to undo my skin and then pull it and all the rest of it. He said, but I plan on being around for a long, long time. Obviously not. Uh, Still loving your programme, which is good. I like that. And no, Glenn Campbell will be missed, but at least he's got... As Paul puts out, uh, his favourite song is Witcher to Lineman. He's got all those hits to fall back on. And the good thing about recordings is that you can listen to them. I was talking to somebody yesterday. I said, when I pass on, you know, I might have gone, but you're going to be plagued with podcasts and everything else for God knows how long. There's years and years and years of it. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Guess who's over in Australia giving etiquette lessons? You'll never guess in a million seconds. Yes, Paul Burrell. Diana's Rock is over there giving etiquette lessons. If you please, he's been informing locals that Prince Harry's wedding will be next year. And he says two more babies for William and Kate. The man knows nothing. There will also be a gap between Charlotte and George, not twins, two separate babies later on. Poor old Burrell, persona non grata, 59, now married to a bloke. He says, I mean, I wonder really whether it's good manners to discuss publicly one's former employers. That's what you call rude but there again, perhaps he could try astrology. It'd be as useless as Derek Cora is in the Big Brother house. But, uh, you know, good etiquette and good manners, Mr Burrell, just in case you weren't aware, is not to tittle-tattle. And that's exactly what you do. Nobody's interested in your ramblings. You know, you were about as much Diana's rock as I was Ben Nevis to, uh, to the Munchkins. You know, it's just ridiculous. It's just a little title you've made up about yourself to make yourself sound a little bit more interesting. But you are not. You know, and if you're talking about etiquette, you know, seriously, telling telling stories about people is not etiquette. That's called bad manners and rude and common. Oh, sorry, that's you, isn't it? The flower shop boy. That's all you were. You were just a servant. Just a servant. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Nadia, Nadia uh, Hussein, has revealed that to save time, she feeds her children while they're having a bath. Huh? So she feeds them in the bath. Slightly peculiar, isn't it? Uh, the world's most brazen couple. This is Sir Shifty's little miss, shamelessly cavorting with her married jailbird lover. Can the Green family name sink any lower? Not really. I mean, you sometimes you worry about poor little Chloe Green. You know, when you're not blessed with looks, but luckily your father's stinking rich, you can hang around with any old jailbird you like. But uh, embarrassment and more shame on the Green family. In fact, just embarrassment for Chloe Green, who makes not one bit of effort. But then the bloke she's hanging around with could convince anybody he's in love with them. She's fallen for this one this time round. The old bill, 33 years after it began, familiar faces from the hit police drama reuniting. and uh, And how good... How good they are, let me tell you. And so Chris Simmons, uh, he found fame as uh, the cocky and ambitious uh, detective constable Mickey Webb. Uh, Also, uh, Lisa Maxwell played Samantha Nixon. Uh, Mark Wingett, who starred in the first episode of The Bill and continued uh, until 2007. Trudy Goodwin, lovely Trudy Goodwin. My favourite, though, the show's longest-serving actor is Graham Cole, 
He looks as good now as he ever did. He appeared in more than 1,100 episodes as PC Tony Stamp. Before the bill, he had uh, roles as various monsters in Doctor Who. He does pantomime and different plays now. He's got a grown-up son and daughter, that's Matthew and Laura, with his wife of 28 years, Cherry. And Eric Richard starred as Bob Cryer. And uh, as I say, they were all reunited because they're going to be re-showing again, uh, I think, on UK TV's Drama Channel. So six cast members came together. Fantastic. They should bring it back. They should absolutely bring it back. It's pointless, you know, to act something like that. That'll be some near-do-well going, oh, we're going to act it. It wasn't popular. Of course it was blooming popular. Of course it was popular. That's why we all watched it, for God's sake. Why do people not get it? Why don't people just ask us? It would be uh, so much easier. Uh, I did get all the pictures. Thank you, Warren. Lovely. Uh, Calabro are starting their tour very shortly. DNA's tickets are on sale uh, now. They're doing 31st, aren't they? Just at the uh, theatre just over the road, the Leicester Square Theatre. That's the uh, the act that can read your minds. They can tell you what you're thinking before you've even thought it. It's a very good act. You'll love it. You'll love it. Very clever. Very clever. I love them on television. Even I sat there going, that's good. That is good. Mind you, I watched Chris Pratt the other day doing a card trick. It's a, an old programme. He was on with Graham Norton, and Graham said, I hear you do magic. And he said, yes. And he did this card trick. And I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone yesterday. I said, have you seen him do it? He said, no. And so he watched it. We were on the phone talking, it, um, talking him through it. And it's such a good card trick. I was very impressed. Good old Chris Pratt. Excuse me. Mm-mm. Mm. Now, you know what I'm drinking, don't you? Water. What does water make me do? Exactly. Why am I drinking water? I've got no idea. No idea, but I just know that if I drink water, I want to go to toilet. I don't at the moment, but uh, I'll let you know, believe you me. I see that Sherry's sister, well, it's not her sister, it's her half-sister. Uh, this is Lauren Booth, a rather peculiar person. Her uh, charity faces closure four years after it was launched. Uh, she set up this peace uh, trail. However... They haven't actually uh, filed any accounts since it's an inception. There again, never let that change anything. Uh, The commission, this is the charity commission, have identified serious regulatory concerns over more than 70 grand of spending and the channelling of funds through a bank account belonging to a company controlled by Boo's husband. The statutory inquiry is still ongoing. Apparently, uh, Peace Trail helps Muslims in need in England, occupied Palestinian territories and Pakistan. Shortly after the launch at the Hilton Docklands, which raised 50 grand, uh, Lauren Booth embarked on a fundraising tour, speaking at events all over the place. It's got one member of staff. They finally filed accounts in March of this year. They said here the unaudited accounts disclosed that in 2013, income received was £86,579 and spending was 88358 it's amazing, actually, isn't it, really? But uh, she did do I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here, and then she became active all sorts of places. Uh, the charity last night wasn't available for comment. I think they bloody well should be, I think. I think people like that need to be, uh, you know, we need to, you know, if somebody's going to set up a charity and take money off people, we should know. We should know exactly, you know, where the money's going to, what's happening with it. It does seem slightly odd, doesn't it? But there again, she was very odd before Lauren Booth, before she converted. She was very good at wangling freebies. She used to, and I can tell you this because she used to appear on my programme with her sister, 
who talked about uh, computer games and stuff like that. Lauren was always up for the freebie. She'd turn up and go, uh, Tony Blair is, uh, is related to me. And so she'd get free meals out of places. She, she gatecrashed the ITN party once and was escorted off the premises. It was always very funny. She was always milking it for what it was, as opposed to, you know, really should have left it alone. But she's lurched from one disaster to another. Uh, Victoria has called on a takeaway after a pizza advert called her an anorexic icon. I think you're treading on dangerous ground here. Uh, our new Victoria Beckham thin crust, only two millimetres thin. Um, the uh, former Spice Girl revealed she had suffered from eating disorders in her autobiography. A spokesman for Mrs Beckham said it's highly inappropriate to trivialise such a disorder with seeking legal advice. This is Sidhu Golden Fish and Chips in North Tyneside, run by a complete and utter bozo. You cannot put this on the back of a box or on the back of a van or anything like that because she will sue you. And uh, having taken legal advice, I'd start stockpiling some money, pal. I really would. The takeaway manager, Sonny, said the advert had been taken out of context. I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm looking at, you know, somebody here and they've got uh, anorexic fashion icon Victoria Beckham. You know. Uh, last night, a SIDU employee said the advert's been taken down, not because any complaints been made, just because we don't want to upset anybody. Too late, mate. Too late. It's been seen. It's been seen. It's been in the papers. People have seen it. So, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll learn. You'll learn. Don't mess with the Beckhams. Don't mess with the Beckhams. Paul in Bow says, uh, Glen Campbell, my favourite song, Wichita Lineman. I never knew what a Wichita lineman was. I am a lineman for the county. And I can't... Yep. And uh, James says, totally agree uh, with, uh, with your comments on Glen Campbell and Gene Pitney. And uh, Tess says, I can't believe you played those two songs. I too cry over sentimental tunes. Panpipes. Panpipes. And uh, listen to a song called Adios from Glen Campbell. Last album. Brilliant song, says John the Cabbie. And uh, Colin says, Galveston was the embarkation area for many conscripts destined... For Vietnam. Uh, the opening scene in Love Actually uh, in Terminal 5, which shows couples being reunited. I like that welcome home one for the, uh, the phone company done at Heathrow Airport. I am the passenger and I ride a bird. Oh, la, 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 la. That one's quite good. Uh, somebody says, which Sibelius? Uh, Corellia Suite. Corellia. And dun 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 I like Finlandia as well, so I like any of that sort of stuff. And uh, Aloha from Honolulu, Steve, from Janice and her ubiquitous flake. Janice was the girl who did the flake advert on television years ago. <laughs> we always laugh. We always laugh. We met actually in Stringfellows a long, long time ago because we're both are sort of mid mid thirties now. <clears throat> well, we wish we were, don't we? But uh, interesting. Glenn Campbell used to be in the Beach Boys, says Simon. Really? He was. He covered for Brian Wilson. Okay. And uh, accident on the A2 coastbound side just before Gravesend turn off. Been standing still for forty-five minutes now, says John. I shall pass it on to the uh, to the people who know these things. Yeah, type in Sibelius and Corellia Suite, and it's lovely. Make sure you get a proper orchestra doing it. There's some right dirgy numbers on there. Terrible, terrible. Not even at the right speed. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, for God's sake, play it properly. does annoy me. So anything like that, I love. Love it. And then you'll find all sorts of things. There's some, some good stuff out there. Very good stuff out there. Uh, what else we got? Oh, yes. Um, I don't believe this one. Old age pensioners. Hate that term. Hate it. Three times richer than they were in 77. 
So, three times. Richard, depends if you own the property, doesn't it, really, I suppose. If you own the property, there's a very good chance that, uh, that you might be richer. But I do see people uh, in Twickenham. I see them all over the place. And you look at them and you think, I bet you don't have very much money. I bet you're surviving on not very much money. You know, because a lot of elderly people, it's, it's different if you're known or something like that. But if you're not a known person and you're struggling on a pension, there'll be a lot of people listening to this programme now who probably enjoy getting up at this time of the morning because it's, it's the first contact, isn't it, that you might have today. Might be the only contact you have today with sort of somebody on the, on the radio, somebody who's actually concerned about you, somebody who cares about, you know, people who sit there and they don't have very much money. They can't afford to do all the things that everybody else can afford to do. And you feel like, you know, if you had enough money, you'd go up to people and say, listen, have that. There's a lovely thing on YouTube and it's a bloke who makes videos for, um, for YouTube. And he's only young and he's sitting on a bench next to a homeless person. And... Uh, he's he's on the phone, and what he's done is he's pretended that um, he needs medicine. He needs to buy medicine for his daughter, but he can't afford it. And so he play-acts this little piece. And the homeless man is sitting next to him and is sort of saying, uh, what, what's the matter? And he says, I, I need medicine for my daughter, and I can't afford it. I haven't got any money and all the rest of it. And the homeless man certainly listens to him. He's a fairly elderly homeless man. And... Uh, he said, he said, don't stay there, don't, don't go away. And he comes back, he sold his bedding to somebody else. He sold all his little belongings to get some money, like a few few dollars, and he gives it to the man. He said, is that enough to get the thing? And that bloke goes, I can't believe you've just done that. He said, you've sold your bedding. So He said, but you need medicine. He said, you did that for me, he said, when you could have spent that money on food. And he then says to him, he said, listen, I think that's the best, that's the nicest thing that you've ever done. He says, I want to give you something. And he gives him $500. And this homeless person bursts into tears. He says, why did you do that for? And he said, because I make films for, the, uh, for YouTube. He said, and I wanted to, to see if anybody would respond to me. He said, and you, out of all the people, he said, you were the person that responded in, you know, in offering me some money. You, in your state, offered me money in my state, so that's why I give you $500. And he starts crying. He says, don't cry. Please don't cry. He said, I want you to have it. He said, because what you did was a really wonderful thing. And uh, it's so touching, because he didn't... He said, you're being filmed. He said, you see over there? And they was pointing to the distance. They go, you're being filmed by that camera over there. And he goes, all right. He says, and you're giving me this money? And he says, yes. He said, I want you to, to go back, get your bedding back, and uh, book yourself into somewhere for the night, have some food... You know, get some cigarettes, whatever it is you want. And, um, and you know, enjoy yourself on $500. You know, it's not a lot. Not a lot to some people. But uh, to this man, it was a huge amount. An absolute huge amount of money. So there you go. So it's weepy time all over this. So I understand exactly what... What on earth is that? Uh, I understand what it's like for people not to have money. I've been in the situation as well. You know, where you open the cupboard and the cupboard, as they say, is bare. And there's nothing in it apart from, you know, in the, in, the, in the fridge, a couple of bottles of milk and some spaghetti. You try making a meal out of that. It was very difficult, very difficult. But I don't think we worried about anything at all. I don't think we worried about not having money. We worried about not paying the bloody milkman. And sometimes if you were really sneaky, you could sort of, you could get him to leave bread, butter and a packet of bacon. That was, I should have asked for 10 packets of bacon. That was a big thrill in those days. So I know that there's people getting up now listening to this programme in London, around the, around the country. I don't care where you are. Uh, or probably out wandering because of company and things like that, or you, you just you just can't sleep, 
because you're worrying about something. There's always something to worry about, isn't there? It's either health or a bill or sort of a letter from the bank going, you're overdrawn, you need to make an appointment. You think, oh, God. It's always something, isn't it? Anyway, for you, you're welcome to the programme this morning. And, uh, and every morning, because it's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC, talked about in many quarters. <laughs> always good, I think. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nine minutes to five. Steve Allen's early breakfast. Wednesday, 9th of uh, August. More of your August? August? Uh, out. <laughs> uh, going on a cruise at Christmas to the Caribbean, says Ryan. P.S. 4x4, four four, Bentley. Uh, he says, did you see the story about the cruise ship that had to turn off all the lights in the middle of the sea because of a fear of attack from pirates? No. Had to turn all the lights off. Don't worry. We, we, we check it. This is the interesting thing, isn't it? Somebody could say something now and we can check it instantly on the internet. Cruise passenger. Here we go. This is the, uh, the cruise liner, a luxury cruise. Uh, they were on the Sea Princess. They paid more than 30 grand. It's a 104-day world cruise departing from Sydney. And uh, all the curtains had drawn and shutters closed as the vessel was turned into a ghost ship. The captain apologised for alarming passengers, but says the threat is real and the ship must be prepared for a pirate attack. Oh, my God. What happened next? What happened after the pirate attack? It's a big ship. No deck parties, no movies under the stars, no late night outdoor bar hopping or pool dipping. No lights, no party atmosphere. And, uh, but I mean, how can you lose a ship that big? I mean, it's not like it just vanishes, doesn't it, really? And pirates are out there. I think the, the, the uh, yeah, well, there you go. Anyway, they um, they had a compulsory pirate drill. And so it was, uh, you know, all the way through. Interesting, isn't it? Apparently, it's that passengers joked they knew what to do because they'd seen Captain Phillips, which is a movie which depicts a hijacking by Somali pirates and stars Tom Hanks. Very, I've never seen it. I like Tom Hanks. Yeah, I like him as an actor. But uh, passengers sit on the floor and hang on to handrails in case the ship had to manoeuvre away from pirate ships. Blah, blah. Sounds a bit, they're so big, these ships, aren't they? What could pirates do, though? What could, well, I suppose they could cause a lot of mayhem, and that's what they do. They hold people to ransom, don't they? I think we, we should be equipped with harpoons on all the, uh, on all the cruise ships, just harpoon Somalian pirates. Be a good one. Many calls were made to the bridge to report suspicious boats. He had to ask passengers to stop calling and to trust in the officers who were on watch. Wow. But anyway, it was uh, it simply just moved out into a, another region and it was all fine. Worrying, isn't it? So uh, you'll be fine, actually. You'll be fine, Ryan. You'll love it. Uh, Cornelius says, Nadia Hussain does my head in. Why is she being forced on us? Well, I, I thought she was good, actually. I, like, I mean, she seems to come up with some lovely recipes and she's quite enthusiastic. I did a furring conversation. I thought she was charming. I thought she was quite charming and, and she won, didn't she? So that's good. Uh, Steve, my friend uh, and I would put our names down as uh, as Willie at the Chicago Rib Shack. It was funny when Willie for two was shouted out and we both stood up. <laughs> I sometimes, I used to do that. I've decided to stop using Starbucks, by the way, in uh, in Twickenham. I've decided ever since the management and in their infinite wisdom decided to remove all the nice staff that we all loved there. They can go whistle as far as I'm concerned. You know, I'm really not interested in the new people they've put in who don't have the personality that the last ones had, so uh, they've lost my business. Uh, Patsy uh, says, had lunch with a lovely Tony yesterday. Please say a big thank you for his hospitality and his company. Love this man. He's lovely, isn't he? He's so nice. And he did that bike ride. We were very impressed by the bike ride. Uh, back from my weekend in Brighton, caught this virus hotel, called the doctor, had to spend another day there. 
My partner, Jean, had to come back as to go to work. So not such a gay weekend after all, says Iceman. <laughs> not a gay weekend at all, really. Not the Brighton's gay at all. Not much. Uh, painting my hallway, says uh, Lizzie, while listening to the Steve Allen show. I think a very wise idea. That's it. It's always the best way to get the hall painted if you're listening to a radio programme. So much easier. Cause you, and then occasionally you stop, don't you? go, oh, right, interesting. Who's that? Vocalist Muncie Girls. Landy Hecht. Why do people from overseas have funny hairstyles? I never know that. I always look at people. And it's, it's pop musicians, isn't it? Pop stars, pop musicians. They've all got funny hairstyles. And there's no logical reason for it. Uh, also, the, uh, the other story, the acid agony victim given a hose down in the shadow of the palace. This was uh, Kensington Palace. He's only a young man on a bicycle and somebody squirted a noxious liquid at him. Got no idea why. These people need taken out. Seriously. I've had enough of it now. I'm not, uh, I'm not faffing around with anybody on a moped. I think literally we have high-powered police motorbikes and they ram these mopeds. Literally, they ram them. You know, you've got things that come out, you pull alongside them, you push them and they go down. I couldn't care less what happens to them. I seriously couldn't. I'm sick to death of it. But somebody's going to die. Somebody's going to die and we'll have, we'll have nothing. Nothing. They go, oh, well, the police's hands were tied. Well, let's untie the police's hands. Let's let the police go out there and deal with these herberts. You know, these little oiks, these little pieces of scum. Let's find them. Let's throw them in prison. I'm sorry we throw... And then parents, well, they were, they were really nice children. They fell in with the wrong lot. Well, that's kind of tough, isn't it, dear? Kind of tough. You know, they've lost the privilege of doing anything. We've taken their motorbike off. We've done everything else. But no, let's, let's get police cars out there ramming them. Let's give them a taste of their own medicine. Uh, the advice is, if you're driving through... Oh, but some more advice before I forget. Apart from driving through London, make sure your windows are done up and the doors are locked. OK? That's just the safest advice. But that I would give to you free of charge any time. There's another thing that's a scam at the moment. There's always a scam. This one involves the post office. And it's, uh, you get a card through the door. There's a parcel for you. Call this number and arrange collection. Uh, the number does not exist. It connects you to a charge of £45. The post office will not say how many people have fallen foul of this one. But uh, the one thing you're looking for on this card is the post office symbol. And the one thing it doesn't have is the post office symbol. OK, so be warned. If you get one of these cards through the door and uh, it doesn't have the post office symbol on there and it's got an 0208 number to ring, don't Ring it. It's fake. You know, think to yourself, do I have a parcel arriving? You know, is, is that parcel going to be arriving with me anytime soon? Did I order anything? And if you didn't, it's fake, but it can be 45 quid. All right. So I'm just I'm just telling you now. I don't want to see anybody caught out by anything like that. Uh, still to come on the uh, the papers. We've got loads of stories actually today. Rachel Riley. Why ha I have no plans to marry again. And uh, they forecast now a torrid summer of migrant chaos. Already 115,000 illegals have managed to land in Europe, thinking they're heading here. And what do we do? Oh, we just faff around, don't we, like girls' blouses. It's ridiculous. Also, a month of rain will, will fall today. A month of rain will fall today, ladies and gentlemen. They say here Britain is on flood alert. More than three inches set to drench southern England. Wait a minute, where am I? Southern England. London. Hello. Kent. Huey. Essex, oh, gold. And East Anglia, parts of the East Midlands and Northern England are all in the firing line. It's going to rain one and a half inches in just a few hours. Oh, God. Do you think it's true? Do you think it's likely to be true? Bloody hell. The last thing I want is rain today. I don't mind a little bit. I don't want three inches. 
A month of rain to fall today, and we're in the firing line. Let's hope they're wrong, eh? Let's hope they are wrong, ladies and gentlemen. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, Paul Burrell, Paul Deluded Burrell, the man who's sort of giving uh, Australians uh, a taste of etiquette. This is how the Queen has it. load of old cobblers, it really is. It's rubbish. And, uh, and then sort of starts telling lies about the royal family. He knows nothing about the royal family. He doesn't know whether or not uh, Harry's going to get mad. He's just guessing, because he doesn't know. He really doesn't know. And uh, also, Wills and uh, Kate having two more children, he doesn't know. He's just making it all up. It makes him sound a bit more interesting, thinking that, you know, people believe the rubbish that emanates from this poor man's mouth. Uh, Also, fragile Sarah Harding, still being milked for all the publicity they can get her out of her in Big Brother House until eventually she sort of just completely falls off the edge because she's pretty close to it now. Uh, Complaining about a conspiracy theory, how people don't like her. People are trying to hold her back. I mean, she's 35 years old. I I ended up shouting at the television, grow up! I'm sorry. I, I sort of, you know, because I'm thinking to myself, you're 35, you're behaving like a seven-year-old. People have to comfort and go, don't worry, you'll be all right. But they're all against me and everyone's holding me back. And, and you think, oh, God, why was she ever putting the house in the first place? I mean, useless. And as half the house are now saying, she's an attention seeker. And I begin to wonder if that's why the rest of the girls allowed troop aren't interested in her. Because she's a poor me, poor me, poor me. Why don't people help me? You know, the trouble is, she's fragile. She was described by uh, the woman from Beverly Hills as being fragile. Of course, she hated that description. What does she think it is? Perhaps she thinks she's behaving normally. But uh, that's why everything in her life is, is just falling apart. She should never have gone on the television. What she should have done is gone to get help. Gone to get help, put herself into rehab, go and get some help. But I don't think she's got any money left. I think she's flat broke. But we'll wait. Oh, God, is that the time? I can't believe it. It's ridiculous. Uh, The pensioner who sets uh, fire to next door's van. Uh, Unintentionally, as you can well imagine. Uh, The pub chain's airport prices are sky high. We'll tell you about that. Amir Khan's wife taunts him with a picture of his daughter, Sinead O'Connor, posts a suicidal video. She's in a very, very bad place at the moment. Uh, Air Miles Andy jets off in a private jet with Sarah Ferguson. Really, what hold does she have on him? I can't wait to find out. The rhinestone cowboy, Glenn Campbell, is dead at the age of 81. What a great legacy he left us. And uh, they're now holding auditions if you want to busk at London's tube stations. That's for the first time in two years. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Wednesday, the 9th of August, the day the rain came down. That's what they're going to say, isn't it? Although, having said that, I've been wrong before. Well, it's not that I've been wrong. It's just that sometimes the Met Office get it wrong. So they've said today, you're going to have a month's rain in one day, and it's going to affect us in London, and it's going to be torrential. And I'm trying to... Have I bought my umbrella? I think I have, but I think it's only a little umbrella. But luckily, there's a hood on my, uh, on my jacket. I don't mind getting wet. It's just a bit uncomfortable. But I will be finding out this morning. I did yesterday. I went back. I had an interview yesterday, a really, a really good interview with Stephen McGann, who's got this book about his family. It's about the, the whole McGann family, and it's such an interesting story. It's, it's really, it's very lovely. And if you're a family person, you're going to love it. It's a really good book. Very nice. And, um, and I got the train back from Waterloo. Now, what they're doing at Waterloo is they've knocked out 10 platforms, so it's all shoved down the other end. And it doesn't really make any difference. It really doesn't make any difference. It means that sometimes the trains are delayed by 10 minutes. Some trains will be cancelled. But uh, I got back yesterday, got on the train, and it was a huge train. It was a really long, long, long train. And it was running about 10 minutes late. But that didn't bother me. I'm not, I'm not in any rush to get anywhere. And so I got on the train, and it was empty. And I took a picture of the carriage. Empty. 
And so somebody tweeted and went, I thought you said the trains would be full. And, I thought, and then I looked where they came from. Tyne and Ware. Very wearing. And, um, and, and I thought, yeah, no, that's coming into Waterloo. This is going out of Waterloo. The only time it's busy is coming into Waterloo in the mornings. Although it didn't appear to be the other day. What it was like yesterday, I can't remember. And then at uh, peak times going out at five o'clock when everybody goes back to the station. I was doing this at about uh, 11 o'clock yesterday morning. This morning is going to be an interesting one because I'm going to be back at the station by about um, 20 past seven, something like that. So it'll be interesting to see which which trains are available and how long it takes to get out at that time of the morning. Because it's generally not that busy, you know, because the schools are off. Believe you me, I'm assuming the schools will be back very, very shortly. But yesterday, I thought it was fine. I didn't have any problem at all. No problem at all. So uh, so tweeting about how empty the trains uh, were, I thought was actually quite apt. So today, I shall, I shall be doing it, and I'll let you know what it's like again. Uh, Dave says, uh, as they're saying, from midday, there will be much rain in London. There'll be flooding. Well, I'll tell you why there'll be flooding. OK, here is the simple answer to why there is flooding. It's not that the drains can't cope. It's the fact that the council don't clear them. Around our way in Twickenham, I was looking at some of the drains the other day, the little ones which take the rain off the roof and all the rest of it, and they're clogged up with mud and leaves because the street cleaners don't clean them. And what they should do is come along with their giant vacuum cleaners, you know, the big truck that sits there, and suck all the mud and the leaves out of the drains so that when it rains, it all goes. But, of course, the drains overflow because they've got so much muck in them and everything else. But that's down to the council. That's down to the council. So uh, they will need to do that. So that's why there'll be uh, flooding. So I'm hoping to get home. We're going out for lunch today. I'll have to wait and see how bad the rain is, if indeed it is that. Uh, Steve, I work 12-hour shifts, shifts on the <laughs> I work 12-hour shifts on the M4 CCTV, and you are the best. It is true. And he says, I'm sure you're my double, as everything you say is what I think. I laugh, I cry, but you keep me awake, which is uh, which is the best bit over. If you're working, isn't it really? Because otherwise, you know, it's it's a bit of a nightmare. I've said before. If you listen to music, and I have no problem with music at all, we own a number of music stations. In fact, we own nearly all the music stations. And uh, and I, I love music. But if I was listening in the morning, I would want to listen to speech. Because it's the only thing that keeps you awake. It's somebody who sort of sounds reasonably awake. And I think I'm lucky in so much as I can sound reasonably awake in the morning. If, if I was playing music, and I am going to play you a little bit of music for the end of the programme. But it's, it's, it comes with a story. It comes with a story, and I'll, I'll tell you about it a little bit later on. Uh, it's the, the slow movement, the uh, belayed from the Corellia suite, that is the emotive heart of the work, not the intermezzo. No, I, li- I only like the intermezzo, Mark. I'm sorry. Dun, 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 dun. It was used as the, it was called Midweek, the programme, wasn't it, I believe, on the television. But that's the bit I like. I love watching the orchestra playing. Dun, 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 that one. Dun 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 Everybody's going, what the dickens is he doing on the programme this morning? I'm singing music for you. I'm trying to educate you at this time of the morning. Oh, I do get angry seeing Sarah Ferguson. I really do. What is the hold she's got over Andrew? Do you think they're still doing rumpy pumpy stuff? Well, I mean, I know, I know, I know, I know that Billy is feeling that comes up again. And um, and then uh, Eugenie was on this private jet. Do you think they've actually learnt to be in the real world? Or do you think they're living in some la-la land or something? They really are out of touch with what uh, what people think about them. Um, num, 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 num. There's another one here. M&S bowing to the uh, the PC brigade. But I'm trying to find the uh, the story about the cream. The uh, the cream which they've been told you've got to stop these uh, these adverts uh, because it's misleading. 
and uh, and and that's why it's misleading. If something's misleading, and they don't sort of like it, then they they pull adverts. They don't allow people to have them on the television. Uh, also, don't call me Harry's ex, says Lovey Cressida. Oh, everybody's Harry's ex. You notice how many people are on tacky old reality shows now, which is uh, a bit bad. Uh, also, drivers simply hate paying to park by phone, really. I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. I love paying to park by phone. I'm much better. Oh, a picture here of 3,000 gypsies pitching up for a Christian festival. Unfortunately, um, you know, they've got people here, thefts, abusive behaviour since the travellers began arriving. Uh, the owner of the field claims to have been misled when the event organised by the Light and Life Gypsy Church was booked and 3,000 vans pulled up here. To do what? I've got no idea, but it's completely ruined the area. Uh, TAME and Oxfordshire County Agricultural Association, which hires out TEM showgrounds, suggested the festival was booked under a different name. They, says we t- uh, they, s- they, says, they say we took a legitimate booking from the Darlington Christian Fellowship, a religious group that was having its annual get-together. But uh, Jackie Boyd, an executive minister at the church, whatever that is, insisting everything had been booked above board. Whether we're gypsies or not, it doesn't matter. We're human beings. Well, that's fine. We don't have any problem with that. It's when the thieving takes place. And the abuse and everything else. So we've seen people pushed around and, uh, and the muck and the, the rubbish. Let's wait and see what this one looks like after everybody's gone, shall we? And then we'll decide. Uh, wake up a little wiser. Don't go to sleep. Please don't go to sleep. You really can learn in your sleep, but only whilst you're dreaming. I, haven't, I, I do dream, actually. I'm, I'm fairly good at, uh, at dreaming. I do, I do like a good dream. But it started involving people I know. And you know when you wake up and you think, I wonder if they know that I've been dreaming about them. Do you think, that, do you think people ever think that? So if you dream about somebody, do, do they then go, wait a minute, I was dreaming about that person as well. I quite, I quite like that idea of it being sort of a, a, an automotive kind of thing, that you can, you can convince somebody that you're thinking about them uh, or not. Here's poor Noel Fielding. How to take sort of an unattractive man and make him even more unattractive. I mean, honestly, 44, but looks about 70. He looks well past his sell-by, but apparently he was, uh, he was snapped carrying digestives in London, having told people he didn't eat biscuits. But then he said that was funny, apparently. that was you know Because, like, he's about the funniest person you've ever heard not. Thank you. I don't know why they ever picked him, a man who doesn't really earn that much money and can never be described as in the, uh, in the top sort of list of comedians in this country. He's just not funny. Can anybody ever tell me anything he's ever said that was remotely funny? No. The serial offenders, we did them the other day, a bit late, the papers on this one, about the serials that have all the wrong things in them. I mean, if it's got chocolate, if it's got honey, if it's got nuts, it's going to be bad for you. Because that's where the the sugar's coming from. So uh, don't be fooled by it. Don't be fooled by it. But then people like that sort of... That sort of cereal, don't they? I mean, nothing. There's a, there's a box of Jordan cereal in the newsroom out there, and I think it's. I think it could be uh, one of our reporters' cereal. And I remember having Jordan cereal and thinking, "This is delicious." Those honey nut clusters with bits of dried fruit. Oh God, it was delicious. And then you looked at the sugar on it, and you went, "Whoa, we can't have that." You absolutely can't have that. I mean, I don't know what cereal the producer's having this morning because he's got the variety pack. So this morning. Cornflakes. Okay. Just plain cornflakes. Not honey nut cornflakes. No, okay. See, cornflakes here. But they never give you enough in those little packets. I could eat two bowls. 
of cornflakes quite easily. It wouldn't, it wouldn't take too much to eat two bowls of cornflakes. Uh, also, Kate hasn't got the Diana magic, says poor Paul Burrell. Nobody's interested in the dreary man's r- sort of utterings now. It's just so tedious. Nobody cares about you. Go away. And uh, stay in America. Please stay in America. Uh, or Australia. Please stay anywhere, actually. Uh, also in the paper, Fragile Sarah, a girl alone, paranoid and struggling to cope. And she is. That's exactly what she is doing. Just a week after she entered, things are much worse, much worse than everybody ever feared. She shouldn't have been allowed in the house. There's something the matter with her. She needs to get some sort of mental help. And by leaving her in the house, they're not doing her any favours at all. She thinks nobody likes her, which, of course, they're probably right. In fact, nobody seems to like her. You know, she's got a couple of couple of drearies on the outside who are sort of, you know, saying, oh, she's fine and she's got some work coming. She hasn't. She hasn't. She hasn't got anything. She's not strong enough. She's a bit emotive. In fact, she's very... I mean, she needs, really, to see a psychiatrist. You know, I mean, she's seriously... I don't say that lightly. I'm, I'm seriously telling you she needs to see a psychiatrist. Paul, whereas Paul, Paul Dannon is mad as a broomstick. You know, at least he's not having breakdowns everywhere. Uh, Sarah, he was called in about uh, what they thought could have been termed a racist comment. But in fact, it wasn't. The person had misheard what he'd said. And so he wasn't told off for that at all. They just pointed out something to him. Whereas Sarah Harding was sitting in the uh, diary room for ages, just sobbing her heart out to somebody she doesn't even know. So get her out to see a psychiatrist. And uh, apparently she's been spending time talking to the professional team has been given time away from the other housemates. Well, what's the point of her being in there, then? What is this, stupid? What do you want? You don't want her to really have a breakdown and completely lose it on television. Is that what you're after? Because you're heading that way, I'm telling you. If she's having time away from the other housemates and talking to professionals, she's a sick person. She shouldn't be in there. It's making her worse. There is no career. There is no singing. There is no acting. There is no nothing. It's just a woman breaking down on television. I mean, the other day she broke down in tears after being nominated. Um, She later confronted Paul Dannon by saying, stop acting psycho, Paul. You're a hypocrite. I mean, she's mad. She's mad, but in a sick way. It's really not good at all. She's also had to admit she's lost touch with most of her girls allowed bandmates. They don't want to talk to her. They don't like her. But it's, it's not recent. Three years ago is when she spoke to Cheryl. We're talking about a sick person. Sarah Harding was never somebody you could trust with anything at all. She spent most of the years in Girls Aloud, face down in the gutter, ligging, drunk. You know, not good. Not good place. And they've just allowed her to get worse and worse and worse. And now you're watching the fallout on television. It's not good television. It's not good television. They should get her out of there as quick as possible and get her into some sort of rehab. That would be doing her a favour. You know, there is no... You know, they should say to her, this is what we're doing with you. We don't want to watch you breaking down on television. Well, they obviously do, because they keep showing it. They showed it in the diary room. She's still sobbing. And then you get that stupid, soporific voice, don't you? So, how are you feeling today, Sarah? What are you, stupid? Who are these third-rate amateur producers in there? How are you feeling today? She's in there going, oh, nobody likes me. What do you mean, how are you feeling today? Dear God in heaven, what a bunch of useless old so-and-sos they must be. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. It's uh, Wednesday morning, it's going to rain. And the only reason I'm telling you that is because they're telling me it's going to rain today. I might have got it wrong. Can I just go back briefly to Sarah Harding? I say briefly because it's getting so out of hand now that you've got somebody who is quite clearly sick. Sick in the head. She shouldn't have been allowed near alcohol. They, you know, somebody, some producer should be fired 
on Big Brother for even allowing this girl anywhere near alcohol. She's an alcoholic. She's a recovering alcoholic. She shouldn't be allowed anywhere near it or anything else. She's quite clearly, once she has a drink, she becomes this this person. I can't even describe what it is. I mean, they've all got issues in there. I mean, they're all weird and crazy, but she's mad. She thinks that there is a conspiracy theory against her. Admittedly, they all talk because, of course, they do. Because she goes in there and she does the big bubbly, Hi, I'm Sarah. I want people to see the real me and all this kind of stuff. And we're all going, OK, that's fine. Now, we've seen the real her. The real her is very needy, very, please help me, please help me, please help me, is please cuddle me. And so all sorts of people have done their bits for her, but she throws it back in their face. And when somebody does apologise, like Paul Dannon, and again, I'm waving no banner for Paul Dannon. I think he's, I think he's a frighteningly scary person. Um, you know, she, she's not interested. You're not a very nice person, she goes. Whereas, in fact, she needs to look at herself. She needs to look at the fact that she's got very few friends. Very few friends. And uh, it seems that the public uh, the other day thought it was hilarious when she was drunk, which, of course, it is. If somebody's drunk and they're an alcoholic, it's hilarious. We can all laugh at the sad old drunk in the corner. Unfortunately, she's 35. She has no career. There is nothing that is going on in her life that is going to change anything. They're not going to be offering her any acting jobs based on her appearance in the Big Brother house. If anything, this has made it worse. If there was, if there was a remote chance before that you could give Sarah Harding some sort of job, now it's gone out the window. You can't trust her. Can you imagine? Somebody books her to appear in a stage play or something and somebody gives her a drink. That's it. You've lost the plot completely. So nobody's going to risk her. She's struggling to cope. You know, she quite clearly cannot take possession of her own life. Quite clearly, she sees everybody else as doing so much better than her, which in the case of the Big Brother house, even those who aren't doing so well appear to be doing better and appear to be... You know, I don't quite understand where all this comes from. I mean, can can somebody... You know, and I've been in the business a long while now. It's not like I've not been in the business. But you watch somebody in the business and you think you've got everything. All of a sudden, you've got fame. A lot of people come into this business to be famous. They want to be famous. They want to be a celebrity. They want to be photographed going in and out of nightclubs. They want to be offered huge lucrative deals to do this, that and the other. So she gets into a band. They're okay if you like that kind of stuff. You know, they all sort of make something of themselves in their own little way, except Sarah Harding. Sarah Harding decides to screw up her career from an early stage by mixing with the wrong people getting in with the wrong crowd, people going, ah, come on, you can go out and party. Because they think that if you're a celebrity, and believe you me, I've been in this business such a long time now, I've seen this time and time and time and time again, and they think that if you're a celebrity, you have to be seen out in the nightclubs, you have to be photographed, get your boobs out, you know, wear a little tight skirt, dance around, play, play the fool, play the happy person, but secretly, you're like the clown in the circus. Big happy face inside, collapsing, collapsing, because they can't get anything right. Because they expect people to kowtow to them, like people do. A bit like Kim Jong-un. All his uh, fellow countrymen, they have to bow down to him, because if they don't, he has them shot. It's as simple as that. And in the case of a celebrity, if you're a big celebrity, to keep grounded is a very difficult thing to do. It is entirely possible. There are lots of people who are very, very successful. Very, very, very successful. And they've got great marriages, and they've got great success, and they're very happy. They might not have huge amounts of work, but they're happy. She... Probably earns a reasonable amount of money. She's had little bits and pieces. And then, you know, she did loads of publicity. She's going to be in the St Trinian's film. And that was a bit of a disaster. It was about blink and you miss her. And it's all a case of there was loads of publicity. She looked good in photographs, but inside, dying. Dying, dying, dying. So she then tries a few other things. She fails in Coronation Street. Uh, the stage show, which was Ghost. Uh, we had a few, few problems with that one as well. 
And uh, as I say, that would mean that people would not want to risk a production. You'd have to take out insurance because once your so-called star goes down, she might put bums on seats, but I think people were watching for car crash. And you've seen it in the Big Brother house. She goes in there, even if you've not seen it, she goes in doing the big I am. And now you suddenly realise, actually, her, her language. She's sort of, she's degenerated from trying to be sort of sophisticated 35 to being, you know, pushy, nasty little 12-year-old who wants to get her own way. And if she doesn't get her own way, then she throws a strop. She is like a child. It is a child. You're watching the breakdown of a person. She cannot cope. She's paranoid. Absolutely paranoid over what everybody's saying about her. And that's what I'm thinking. If she's having private conversations with, uh, with, with somebody inside the house or outside, they should take her out immediately. You shouldn't even risk it. Because God knows what she could do in there. God knows. I mean, seriously, you don't know what she could do. And you fear for the worst. You only have to watch her. The other day I was sort of sitting there watching. Why in God's name am I watching this? Why am I, why am I watching some woman sitting in the diary room, you know, complaining about, you know, what people are saying about her? Whereas, in fact, she didn't actually know. She just got voted out. She was one of those up for eviction. And that's it. But that's, it's a game. It's a game show. That's what it is. If the public don't like you or the fellow housemates don't like you, they vote you out. It doesn't mean to say that they sort of think about you. They couldn't couldn't give a stuff about Sarah Harding. But she's quite clearly on a mission to go, I'm the biggest person in here, because she might have been at one time. Now she's nobody. And that's what you have to come to terms with in this business. You can be up one minute. You can be very, very successful. I've seen people in radio very, very, very successful. And all of a sudden, and it just collapses. And the same in show business. Somebody can go on to the television, you know, and then they sort of... Look at, look at Jedwood. Classic example of two people who weren't exactly in the real world. They were in Planet Jedwood, as we know. And uh, then they're everywhere and they mess around. You suddenly realise there's something not quite right about them. You know, they're, they're twins who have baths together. They sleep in the same room. It's slightly peculiar. And all of a sudden, their career finishes. And Jedwood, you don't see anywhere now. They just turn up as jokes. And that's finished. It's very difficult to maintain a career in this business. It's either that or you become like Jason Manford, where, you know, you sort of you, you go on to the one show and then unfortunately you have a little bit of an altercation on the Internet with your telephone and all that kind of stuff. And we start doing exposures and then suddenly they, they wonder why people go, mm, maybe not, maybe not. You know, it's it's very difficult. It's a very fickle world. And, you know, and I'm sorry, I think we've reached out enough arms and enough hands to Sarah Harding for her to finally take control of her own life. She's the only one that can change it. Nobody else. You can sit down and talk about it, and it must have been the most boring, bloody conversation ever to discuss why she's in the way that she is. Why do the girls allowed girls not talk to her? Why does she not have many friends? And the answer is, she's needy. And once somebody becomes needy, you know, you don't mind people being a little bit needy. I mean, I'm a bit insecure. Of course I am about the job you always are. I spoke to somebody this morning about it. They said, listen, with your audience figures, well, I said, but you always worry about it. That's like going on stage and being nervous. The day you go on stage, if you're an actor and you're not nervous, is the day you haven't taken it properly and seriously. You're supposed to be a little bit nervous. I always get nervous when I'm going to do something like that. And you always worry. You worry about the audience figures. You worry about, you know, just supposing all of a sudden people go, I don't think I want to listen to Steve Allen's early breakfast show anymore. But it isn't like that. It's kind of like riding on a crest of a wave. I'm like surfing the wave at the moment and I don't even swim. Well, not very well. I sort of bob around a little bit. And, um, and you sort of think, I wonder if it's going to finish one day. And you think, well, it's gone for 40 years. You know, and we're still doing well. We're still pulling an audience. But you still get insecure when you think about the, the Rajar figures. <laughs> you know, every time. I can't describe to you. 
how it is. You always feel insecure. You always go through that, that dreadful sinking feeling in your stomach. You know, but if I'd had loads of bad Rajar figures, I'd be feeling as bad as Sarah Harding. Because she hasn't had anything. Her last album, I don't think they brought out the album. They did a thing, they say she's singing at Kensington Palace. She was singing in the Orangery. It was on a little makeshift stage thing. It was all a bit pitiful. It's a case of loads of publicity, no results. And at the end of it, so now you're watching somebody breaking down because they gave her alcohol, which they shouldn't have done. That was the big mistake of whoever the producer is on that particular section of the programme to make sure that she did not get alcohol. They must have known about this before, unless they were really stupid. And then you get this dimbo, you know, hello, Sarah, says this voice, this disembodied voice. You can tell it comes from a three-year-old, can't you? How are you feeling? (laughs) What do you mean, how's she feeling? You can see how she's feeling unless you're blind or something or you can't hear. I mean, last night, I think she told uh, Derek Cora, it's so hard to catch up with any of them, really. Everybody's got their own thing going on. See, she doesn't have anything going on. They've all got things going on and she doesn't fit into their their little set anymore. I think because she was probably needy in, in Girls Aloud. I mean, she did interviews. This is what Sarah's like. Before she goes into Big Brother House, she's done interviews, which are going to be played out while she's in there. And she said that she keeps to a glass of wine at lunch rather than having wild nights out. She predicted of her time in Big Brother, I won't be drinking much. I'd like to keep a level head, stay sane and avoid dramas. A spokeswoman for the show last night said, Big Brother constantly monitors housemates and their behaviour. I just hope she's getting the help she needs. That's what they've said. I hope she's getting the uh, the, health, the, 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 the help she needs. Because she does need help. She, seriously, she should not be in there being exhibited as a freak. As being somebody who, you know, we turn on the television. Let's have a good old laugh at Sarah Harding, shall we? I don't wave flags for her. I couldn't give a stuff about her. But I just don't like the idea that she's being exploited on the television. She's obviously signed some sort of contract that will keep her there. You know, even if she goes completely off the end. And it's it's quite clear that she's heading off the end. But they, they shouldn't have her on there because it's the freak show. Let's go to the zoo. Let's laugh at the animals behind the bar, shall we? But it shouldn't be like that. Anyway, rant over. Are you well this morning? I hope so. My friend just sent me a text and he says, we'll always love the Steve. The Steve. <laughs> Bless you. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Wednesday, the 9th of August. Sickening, isn't it? You turn on the radio and there's a cheerful little so-and-so moaning about people having breakdowns on television. But it is true, isn't it, that, we're, that you know, this is you know, in, on so many of the, the papers today, uh, but it hasn't overshadowed the kidnapped model, which is, which is the most bizarre story. There are questions, 16 questions, say the Sun. We had a load more questions uh, the other day, I think, from the, uh, from the Daily Mail. Uh, they're all, they're, they're somewhat sceptical. They are somewhat sceptical about the whole story, which, which quite surprises me. Uh, they've now got here on the Daily Star, Police Pro, page three, sex slave claim, doubts grow over Chloe kidnap. I think there's more to this programme than, than... More to this programme. Well, certainly more to this programme. But I think there's more to this story than meets the eye. What it is, I don't know. I'm in, I'm in the dark with other people. I just think it sounds odd. It's, whichever way you look at it, it sounds odd. She apparently, according to, uh, to an ex-boyfriend... And also, she has a son, remember... She has a son. There's been no mention of that in any of her interviews. But um, it appears to be that she's somebody who wants to be famous. Um, And I just don't I don't get the whole thing. The whole thing. I mean, she's now found a celebrity agent. And you think, 
being kidnapped, is that warrant a celebrity agent? Or is it really that sick in this country? I mean, what, what are you going to put her on? Quiz shows or something? You know, or, or sort of put her on... I mean, what do you mean a celebrity agent? I don't really know what a celebrity agent would do for her. She's just somebody who was tied up and put in a suitcase. What do you mean a celebrity agent? By the time you've heard the story, and you must have heard it a million times by now, you have to dissect which bits you believe and which bits you're not sure about. What are you going to put her on? You know, she can be on Pointless. Or is she going to be on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here? And they're going to go, oh, this was the girl who was kidnapped in Italy. I mean, you know, why would that make somebody a celebrity? Mind you, just about anybody, isn't it, really, nowadays? Today's the day. We're off to see an American in Paris, Steve. Looking forward so much. Next week, I'm treating my two gorgeous two sisters uh, to 42nd Street. What a week. Yeah, 42nd Street, you love. An American in Paris, you love. It's got everything in it. The dancers are superb. They really are. In fact, in both shows, the dancers are great. Different sorts of dancing, but absolutely fantastic. Uh, Dennis says, somebody mentioned a cruise and pirates. I'm just home from a cruise on the Caribbean Princess around the UK and Ireland. It was a freebie. A friend of mine does a little light-hearted chat about the history of Ireland. And he can take one guest with him. And, uh, and that was me. We were only on for three nights, sailing from Southampton to Guernsey. Uh, then on to uh, Cobe, is it Cobe, in County Cork. Then to Dublin, where we embarked yesterday. Food fantastic and the staff brilliant. Yeah, the food is great on the cruise ships. It's, I mean, it really is absolutely brilliant. Most countries of the world must be represented there. Really amazing. And I'll do it again if I get the chance. Bit expensive, but I didn't spend a blind cent on board. Everything charged in dollars. My friend's in his 80s. He's now retired from the tourist information business, and that was his 27th cruise, and he's got three more to go this year. Hope he'll be fit to do it next year. I could recommend it, especially if it's free. Yes, I agree, actually. My friend John Warrington, as you know, who is a, who is a, a travel agent, he does sort of, you know, organises people's holidays and does these great itineraries. He also does these sort of things. He's not 80, of course. <laughs> He'd be horrified if I thought he was. You're good at dreaming says Mark. It doesn't take any ability to dream. You just have to lie there, subjected to whatever you get, be it good or awful. You never know what your subconscious has got in for you. I never get awful. I never get awful. I've had a couple of slightly odd ones where you wake up thinking, oh my God. You know, you, you know but mainly mine are sort of, mine, mine are good. Mine are good. I couldn't tell you what they're about because I forget that within, within seconds. Uh, Steve, I don't really mind when I can't sleep and wake up at 3.30 and make myself a coffee. While feeling all excited, it's nearly time for you. Back in bed, snuggle down to your dulcet <clears throat> tones, loving your super quick wit, directness and slightly, slightly sarky style. Slightly, slightly, absolutely sarcastic. Absolutely. Linda says, love you to bits. We have sun forecast all day today on the Isle of Man. Well, bully for you. <laughs> Christine says, greetings from Ireland. How are you? And just had to write and say hello. That's all I need. Just check in on a daily basis. That's what I like to hear from people. We like to know that you're there all the time. We know that the audience figures are going up. We know that it's, uh, that it's fantastic and we love it and more people. You're getting cars now in London in the morning around the capital. What are they listening to? LBC. LBC. And don't forget uh, Matt Fry's here with breakfast this morning. I saw him yesterday, actually. I said, I'm not talking to you. I said, I spoke to you yesterday. I'll only do it every other day. Just to make him laugh, actually. Uh, Steve says, uh, relax. I'll tolerate for another week or so. And uh, I've decided I don't want to listen to your show anymore, says Mark. Fantastic. I'm putting you now. In fact, I've done it. There you go. Uh, I'm not going to receive any more of your texts. Oh, shame, isn't it? Who are you going to write to? You've got nobody else. You've got nobody else. Who are you going to write to? It's dreadful. A lot of people talk about dreaming. And uh, and how, how good it is. Sometimes you get good dreams. Can you dream if you've got somebody else in bed with you? 
I don't know whether or not... I mean, that's an odd, an odd thing to say, but I wonder really whether or not you only dream if you're by yourself or if you dream with other people there. I used to know somebody used to talk in their sleep. First time it happened, you sort of think, what are they saying? You sort of try... What? (laughs) You think they're saying something to you, don't you? Well, I did. (laughs) One of those mad things. One of those mad things. Uh, Other stories in the papers for today. Uh, The rain, the rain, the rain, the rain. So if you're coming in uh, today, do do bring an umbrella, please. Do bring an umbrella uh, or something. Because I I will see people today and they will... um, and, and they won't have an umbrella. In fact, they probably won't even have a raincoat or a coat on. And they get absolutely soaked. And they said today, uh, summer will take a long break. I don't mind that. I don't mind. I don't mind a bit of rain. I don't want, you know, tons of rain today. But that's apparently what we're going to get. Uh, also, uh, down a beer to get your creative juices flowing, says a study, which is good. And, um... Um, the dog walker killed in the woods may have burst in on a drug deal. Oh, God, Ronald. Well, it gets worse and worse. I see these American and Australian, pro- mainly Australian programmes now, where they're doing drug busts. They've got a bigger problem than we have. It's just that over there it's all spread out a little bit more. Uh, Kidnap model's lawyer hits back at doubts over her story. Uh, as I say, she was out yesterday posing, and um, she's, she's got a friend called Carla Bellucci, Whoever she is, I've got no... The whole thing is just bizarre, isn't it? It's just a very, very odd story. And uh, somebody asked me the other day, they said, what, uh, do we have any poisonous snakes in this country? I said, yeah, we've got adders. Adders. You'll find them on um, um, sort of scrubland and things like that. You see them in the sunshine, they sun on rocks. But uh, one the other day uh, bit a dog uh, on a mountain walk. This was a Jack Russell terrier called Oscar. Out with his owner, Katie... Last night, she said Oscar had been in and out of the ferns. On the way back to the car, he came onto the path with his front right leg lifted, unable to put it on the floor. He was taken to a vet with a swollen paw in the belief he'd twisted or broken his leg. However, it soon transpired he'd been fatally bitten. Mrs Davis said we had to make the decision to have him put to sleep. The poison had stopped his blood being able to clot as normal, and the vet believed he was now bleeding internally, possibly into his chest. We've been left completely heartbroken. And this is the trouble, actually. They were walking uh, on Caerphilly Mountain, which is in South Wales. The family uh, of Enna Glynn in Caerphilly are now calling for warning signs. The trouble is, everywhere where you get, I say, scrubland, you know, you're not going to get it in a park, I don't think, but in scrubland and in sort of woods, you might find adders will be there. And it's the only fatal snake that we've got in this country. The only, you know, snake that could be quite lethal. And to a little dog... It could be totally lethal, because if the dog comes across it, the dog might sort of go, and the the snake will strike. Normally speaking, you know, snakes will disappear long before you've got there, because they can hear you, and uh, and they don't want anything to do with you. So they stay well away. You start confronting them, they're going to come back at you. In the case of this poor little dog, he got bitten on his leg. The the snake will just strike, and then consequently you then get these problems. Oh, that's awful, isn't it? I don't like snakes at the best of time. I'm afraid I'm not very good. I see that uh, Rihanna is a festival bird of paradise. Chloe Green just looks like a complete and utter wreck. But there again, she never never was one blessed with looks, poor soul. Uh, also, the call to jail animal torturers before they attack people. They say that people who attack animals are quite capable of going on to attack humans. And uh, I never understand. I, I seriously never understand why anybody would ever want to abuse an animal. But we've seen it time and time again. There was that, I'm sure it was on YouTube or something, I saw it, where they were throwing a dog down the stairs. 
And eventually the dog was so injured they had to... I mean, who would... I mean, seriously, who would ever do that? I think it was two brothers. Uh, they kept throwing the dog down the stairs and then dragging it back up the stairs and throwing it. And I couldn't quite work out why anybody, unless they were sick in the head, would ever want to do that to an animal. Whether or not you like dogs, cats or anything, you know, why would you want to do that? We've had sort of... Um, before, haven't we? We've had cats with fireworks tied to them. And then people set fire to the, to the firework. And you think, what sort of... You know, you want to do that to these sick people. I'll show you how dangerous we can be. But, of course, you can't do that because that means that you then turn as violent as they are. You just have to put them in prison and hope that they get better soon because they're sick. Sick in the head. Uh, the Victoria's Fury at the Pizza Ad is in every paper this morning. I think this uh, bloke who owns it... I hope to God he's not sitting there thinking, oh, this is good publicity, because believe you me, it ain't. Believe you me, it ain't. You cannot put a picture of Victoria Beckham and call her an anorexic-style icon on the back of a box of pizza without somebody somewhere going, I think we're going to have you for that one. And so I hope you're prepared for it, young man, because you're quite clearly the stupidest person I've ever heard of before. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, also, the uh, Sinead O'Connor, Save Me. She's staying, I think, in a, in a travel lodge. And uh, she's got nothing and she's just she's in a very, very, very bad place. And that's the sort of, you know, when you see somebody like that who's getting in a bad place. I say, when I, when I spoke to her, we had a really, really good chat and we talked about mental illness and we talked about, you know, how she feels about various uh, things that were going on in her life at the time. And I think that's what Sarah Harding's going through. She goes through exactly the same thing. She's having a mental breakdown and uh, she's decided to do it publicly on television as opposed to showing us the other side of herself and showing us the, you know, the face behind the mask, you know, which is all funny. Unfortunately, all we've seen is, is somebody who's quite clearly very, very depressed and very, very ill. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. In case you're uh, watching, it's 11 minutes to six. I don't know what time the rain is supposed to come down today. I don't want to sort of say it's going to happen between six and seven because I've got no idea. Is it raining at the moment as we peer out of the window, having a quick close scrutiny? Yes, it's not. I hope we can manage to get sort of back home or at least to the station without it. To, is it not? Uh, you don't think later or what? We're getting, I think we're going to get wet this morning. Are we? Oh, my God. I'll have to check. I've got my little umbrella. But from eight o'clock. Well, that's all right. I'll be home by eight. Well, you won't be home by eight. No, because you'll fall asleep on the bus again. Uh, Steve, uh, you can dream, says Mike, with someone next to you. I quite often dream that I wake up and my wife has transformed into Cara Delevingne. Well, it's not going to be much use to you, is it? She bats from the other side. Not going to be interested in you. That's good. You're better off with the wife. At least you stand a chance. I mean, come on, blimey, at least pick somebody who's at least you stand a chance with. She's with somebody else, dear. There's no point in picking somebody like that. It's quite funny, though, isn't it, at the same time? Uh, Steve, great show. Thank you. Uh, we're currently on a holiday in Harrogate. That's a nice... I'd quite like to go there. I think I'd enjoy Harrogate. I think that would appeal to me. I think I've, I've reached that time of my life or a cup of tea. Is there water in Harrogate or is it inland? Here we go. This is where I get confused again. Is there... Is it quite... Oh, right, it's not a seaside resort, Harrogate. Why does it sound like a seaside? It's got a river. Oh, right. OK. But uh, we're going to the, uh, the Countess of York restaurant in the Rail Museum in York for a scrumptious cream tea. Wow, sounds quite nice. Could you wish my husband a happy anniversary? Doesn't help, but I've got no idea who you are, but there you go, you know. I'll do happy anniversary to somebody who's in Harrogate at the moment. His name's Steve. How do you know that? 
Oh, it's another toe. Oh, right, OK. Uh, Steve says, lend a fab show. Love you to bits. We have sun forecast all day today on the Isle of Man. We're apparently just going to get soaking wet here. Soaking wet. So, but I don't mind. I've just got to check that I've got my little umbrella with me. But as long as it's not windy, I should be OK. Because you don't, I don't want a big umbrella. Because if you have a, a big umbrella, then by the time the bus comes along, you've got to sort of take the umbrella down and then quickly rush inside. Because otherwise you get drenched anyway, don't you? Um, uh, Viv says, I'm still here. Could not start my day without you. Funnily enough, I was tidying my drawers yesterday and found your last show, which I have on tape with Pete Murray. It's dated the 4th of October, 1994. Wow. See, see, you've got things that not even I've got. I don't have any show. I have got somewhere, I think it's in the spare room, uh, the first tape, the first hour of my very first broadcast on LBC. The first hour of Steve Allen. And believe you me, it ain't ever seeing the light of day. Goes back at 40th anniversary. I might have to dig it out. Oh, God, I'm not too sure, actually. I don't think we've even got the facilities for playing tapes, have we, anymore? Oh, we'll find a way. But I think it was the very first... Oh, it'll sound dreadful. It'll sound so awful, I can't begin to tell you. Because it takes ages to sort of find what your style is or the way you do a programme. And I'm not sure that I'd actually found it by that time at all. Uh, John, <coughs> excuse me, in Newton Lewillows. Oh, how posh does that sound? Newton Lewillows. Where is that? That sounds quite exciting. Northwest. It's in the Northwest. Between Liverpool and Manchester. God, I'd keep it as just it's in the Northwest, actually. We don't want to ruin it by saying near Manchester, says, yes, I've dreamt while in bed with another person, though sometimes the dreams have been of another person altogether. John says, perhaps that's why I'm now single and all alone. Listen, don't, I, I never understand why there is this, this stigma for people being single. There's no problem with being single at all, I promise you. I'm the living embodiment of how exciting your life can be if you're single. You know, why Why anybody would ever worry about it? But people do, don't they? They go, oh, I'm going to be single. And you think, listen, who cares? Goodness sake. As long as you've got a handful of decent friends, you don't really want any more than a handful. Way too many. You don't want to waste money on phone calls. But a handful of decent friends that sort of check in with you every so often. You've got access to a computer. And you've got a television. You've got videos. And you've got, you know, sort of free view channel. What else do you need? A baked potato. Maybe, do you know what I lost the other day? Yorkshire puddings. I thought I bought a pack of Yorkshire puddings. Well, I'm blowed if I can find the blooming things. They vanished into thin air. I was thinking, where have that perhaps have been carried off by a gang of ants or something? But uh, I was going to have uh, Yorkshire puddings yesterday, but I'm uh, not today having fish and chips, although if it's raining, I'm not going. I refuse to get wet. Uh, the Daily Mirror, front page. We'll do the front pages after 6.30, but we always try and give you a head up on uh, what the stories are. Glenn Campbell, dead at 81. He'd been ill for a, a few years. And he left such a great legacy. You know, he was what I call commercial country. Commercial country, and, and I like that, actually. Apparently, according to my best friend, Rick Astley was born in newton Willows. Well, see, he lives in Richmond, I think, now, actually. I'm pretty certain he lives in Richmond, which is where we're going for fish and chips today. <laughs> well, we are, provided we don't get sort of washed away. But Rick Astley was born in newton Willows. Oh, it's true! I can't... A friend would know this. He, he would know this. There you go. He's 51. It's in Lancashire. It's in Lancashire. How do they speak in, in Lancashire? Oh, I've got a picture of Newton Willow's library. How exciting. Look at that, honestly. It's a market town 
in Merseyside, historically part of Lancashire, midway between Liverpool and Manchester, 15 miles from each, four miles east of St Helens, and five miles north of Warrington and seven miles south of Wigan. And the population at the 2011 census was 22,114. Is my friend from nearby? What my, my new best friend was from nearby there. Oh, from Warrington. We think from, from Warrington. Are you from Warrington? Wait a minute, we're going to find out. Let's have a quick look. And uh, down, 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 down. Yeah, Warrington. Ha! I tell you, we're on, we're on the money today. We are on the money. I've got a piece of music to play for you. Actually, the other side of the news. And it, it, it's a little story. It's only, it's only a little tiny snatch of music. But it's, it's interesting. And it's what they call one of those silly facts. It's a silly musical fact that you'll be going, really? Really? And um, it involves a piano. That's all I will tell you. Actually, we worked out the other day the amount of gay pianists that have been. I don't know why. I don't know why this came up in, in conversation. We were talking about the other day about how many gay pianists there have been, and we we thought of quite a few actually. Wayne King, Danny Larue's friend, was uh, was gay. Bobby Crush is gay. Who actually played Liberace? Liberace was uh, was gay, although he constantly denied it throughout his entire life. But uh, a friend of mine found. Um, some interesting uh, bits of footage of Liberace on a show in Canada. Because the, the YouTube and the internet are just fantastic. Just fantastic. For sort of, you know, all these little clips you think, oh my goodness me, I've just found this. But this little piece of music goes with a little story. And uh, as I say, feel free to use it after I've done it, which will be the other side of the news. First picture on the Daily Mirror this morning of the would-be attacker with a device in a bag. This is a man found guilty of trying to blow up a Ryanair jet. He's another thicko as far as I'm concerned. I tell you, if ever you, cause we were bringing back hanging, it would be for people like this. This is Nadim Mohammed, pictured for the first time, found to have a crude bomb in his hand luggage. What's the matter with these people? They've got screws loose or something, or they've been sort of so, so radicalised ridiculous. Uh, kids should spend more time online. More time? How much more time can kids spend online? You sit on the train in the morning and everybody's everybody's on the phone, on the tablet. People are sitting there. People are addicted to it. It's the ones who walk towards me reading books that really annoy me. Really annoy me. But there you go. That's just me. Uh, who is the team's lucky charm? This is... Um, uh, he's a football mascot. His name is Bernard Jones. Why is he important to everybody? Because he's 105. He's 105. He led out championship side Preston North End for their first game of the season against Sheffield Wednesday. Bernard came out of the players' tunnel in a wheelchair, then walked his team into the centre circle. He's been a Lily Whites fan, that's what they're called, for 81 seasons. And he listened on the radio and cheered them uh, to a 1-0 victory in the FA Cup final. He was the team's lucky charm on Saturday as they won 1-0. Isn't that lovely? Honestly, good for him. 105. God, I tell you, waking up every morning must be a nightmare, mustn't it? Especially when you think one of these days you might not be uh, waking up. 105, though. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, pupils age five excluded for lewd conduct. They seem to be getting younger and younger now, don't they? It makes you wonder what sort of families these people come from that would allow somebody at five years old to have lewd conduct. Uh, there's also an, uh, an advert coming out, and it's, um, it's calling for a hike in prison terms for people who abuse animals and uh, they want people to be really dealt with very toughly because some of these people who who go on to uh, abuse animals sometimes abuse people as well at the same time and so they want to make sure that they're actually slammed away they should be tough we're just not tough on anybody we're just not tough on anybody they sort of go I mean, we had the other day didn't we the woman thieving 
from uh, from Harrods. No, because you're a good person, we're not going to send you to prison. You're kidding. I tell you, if I'd been the judge, she'd have been in prison straight away. It sends out the wrong message, absolutely the wrong message of, of people and what you can get away with. You're, you're in this country and it's good. And um, uh, another one here, Dave says, uh, did you just say uh, Wayne King? Yes, he was, he was Danny LaRue's um, other half. He was, he was Australian. He was a pianist. In fact, you, in, on one of the Danny LaRue appearances on the good old days, he looks up to the box, which is adjacent to the thing, and there is Wayne King standing there. Uh, wearing sort of costume. Yes, he was uh, introduced by uh, Danny on Opportunity Knox. He was his mentor. I think he sort of came over to the country and Danny said, here is uh, here's Wayne King. And um, and and he, he played piano. I think doing sort of like... Uh, um, uh, Patsy says Danny's pianist was David... No, this was his other half. This was his boyfriend. <laughs> this was his boyfriend. Uh, Danny had a fling with Wayne. He introduced him. He was a pianist, not not with Danny's show, but I think he did appear on Danny's show. But he toured all over the world. He toured all. Over. Oh, look at the time! I'll tell you, I've got. Listen, you made me late now for the news. I get into trouble because we've got people waiting the other end. Uh, the Olay advert banned for misleading the consumers because they make wild claims about things. I'll find that one for you. How many mopeds and motorcycles stolen in London every day? Sixty-five. 65. Auditions to busk at London tube stations being held for the first time. In other words, if they've not passed the audition, you can't busk. Thank God for that. That'll keep out some of the riffraff. Uh, somebody by now must have identified the jogger who pushed that woman into the path of a bus and then carried on running. If he's got any sense, he'll hand himself in to the police very, very quickly. Uh, the Ryanair bomber. Uh, the free devil boy who has a new identity. And uh, fragile Sarah Harding, a girl alone and struggling to cope. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Oh, dear me. Wednesday, 9th of August. If you're in London, if you're in Kent, if you're in Essex, it's nice to have your company, but we're all going to get wet, OK? And, uh, and there's nothing we can do about it. Apparently, they say today, they have been wrong. They have been wrong. A month's rain in one day. So we'll have about three inches in an hour. I mean, come on, when was the last time that happened, ladies and gentlemen? You, you know, cast your mind back. Very lucky to get something like that. That'll fill your water butt. And, um, and then, because the other day, we had the problem with the giant sausage rolls, if you remember. And, uh, and we couldn't work out what 12 inches looked like. And t- if you missed, you'll have to listen to the best of the podcast, because we got very confused with that one. Because apparently the average length is about five to six inches of the sausage roll that they do originally. And now they do a 12-inch one, because apparently the customers asked for it. They wanted a 12-inch sausage, and it's only a pound. I mean, you can't imagine what sort of quality you're going to get. You know, if you sort of go in there for, for a 12-incher, and you get it, and you cough up the pound. I mean, is, is the quality going to be the same as a 6-incher? I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyway, nice to have your company this morning. I hope you're well. And uh, looking forward to another day, suffering on the railways and everything. Only the difference is today in London, you'll be suffering on the railways and the buses, but you'll be wet, which means the steam will be rising. We're all prepared. I've got my little umbrella, which is actually a tiny umbrella. It is about the smallest umbrella I've ever seen. It's rubbish if there was any wind, but I mean, you know, we're trying to get away with it. Uh, Mick says being single is wonderful. He said it's like getting out of jail. I tried the other. It's misery. I don't know why men get married. I spoke to somebody the other day who said exactly the same as you and said, I cannot understand why somebody would want to get married. You know, why not just live together? Rachel Riley said to me last week she didn't want to get married. She saw no reason for getting married. And lots of people... I think if you've got children, I think you should get married. I'm only saying that. But I think people can live quite happily together 
you know, either as friends or what, well, sort of. Uh, you know, it depends what, what sort of relationship you have. But I see no reason why people shouldn't be single. And you can have a great life. You can go out and have a bit of fun. And there's no age. You know, there's, there's no age. You've got, you know, you go around Chelsea, you get Chelsea pensioners propping up bars and people buying them drinks and everything else. So anyway, uh, on the programme this morning, there's nobody in my life except my doctor. That's the only thing keeping me alive. This is Sinead O'Connor having a, a complete breakdown. Uh, which is not very good. Same sort of thing that we're getting in the Big Brother house with Sarah Harding. Uh, I've said before, and I'll say it again, they should take her out the programme. She's quite clearly suffering quite badly, and she cannot cope. And uh, somebody says, oh, this is Saul. He says, it's pouring in Harefield Village, northwest London. Love your show. I think you're the first Saul we've had. I think that's uh, it's a lovely name. First Saul we've had, on. I think so. If I, I apologise if over the years I might have had another saw, but I think you're the, you're the first one. And uh, Chris from Shaftesbury says, uh, I know the rain will be here soon because my sat-nav is playing up. Uh, it will always play up before the rain and snowstorms. Bizarre, I know. Have you got one of the cheaper ones or is it the more expensive one? <laughs> Probably one of the more expensive ones. Uh, Mick says, rain is the most effective policeman. Keeps all the yobs and the demonstrations off the street. It does, actually. You're quite right. I love it. I mean, you know, for that reason, we should be uh, grateful. And uh, Charlie says, I just arrived in Cambridge on the way to Norfolk. Raining cats and dogs heading south. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Uh, Pouring in Cheltenham, says Dave. Oh, it's on its way, isn't it, for us here. Uh, Say you would very much enjoy Harrogate, says Pat. It's a spa town and a visit to Betty's Tea Rooms is essential nearby. Uh, Is RHS Harlow. Is it? Harlow? Is there, are, there, are there different Harlows or something? RHS Harlow. Harlow Car. What's Harlow Car? Is that name of an area? Oh, here we go. Harlow Car. There you go. RHS Harlow Garden Harlow Car. Looks lovely, doesn't it? Oh, that's very pretty, isn't it? Oh, it's very pretty. I could live there. Something about Yorkshire that's nice, isn't it? E-by gum and flat caps and whippets and all that kind of stuff. But I, I like it. It's got everything. It's got a foliage garden, learning centre, plant centre and Betty's Cafe Tea Rooms. They discovered sulphur water on the site. Sulphur is supposed to be very good. They used to sell sulphur tablets, I'm sure, years ago. It's good for the blood, I believe. Very good for the blood. So thank you, Pat, very much indeed. Monica. Monica says, uh, uh, Betty's Tea Room in Harrogate, you'll love it. And thank you for making the mornings bright. Which I like. I like making your mornings bright. I think we should have a jingle that goes along with it. Andrew says, I can wake up with you at four in bed on DAB, then go downstairs at five and ask Alexa to play LBC. And because of the delay, I don't miss a second. (laughs) Clever. Actually, I sometimes say that. Good morning, Alexa. Play LBC. That really annoys everybody. Seriously, it annoys people round here as well, because we've got one in in the newsroom. I just think it's so clever. Honestly, you get a quicker response from that than you do from some people on the telephone. It's so clever. It's so immediate, which is what I like. I've got a little story for you. It's only a little story. And a friend of mine told me the other day, um, and I'm going to play you a little bit of music, OK? Uh, and it's by a lady called Mrs Mills. Now, Mrs Mills was a civil servant uh, in the 50s and 60s, and she played piano. But she played different sort of piano. She played like what I used to call honky-tonk piano. And because she was a civil servant, they, they wanted her to stop being a civil servant and be, a, be a, a popular recording artist. And she was very successful, but she said no. She said, I'm not giving up my, my civil service job because she had a pension 
And the one thing that you did in those days was hung on to your pension. So the, the reason I'm asking you to listen to this, there's only a little, little clip of it, is listen very carefully to Mrs Mills back in 1967 playing her piano. She was a jolly lady. By that, I mean she was, she was quite rotund, but she sat there and she smiled and she banged out the tunes. And this is one called I Was Queen Victoria's Chambermaid. interesting thing is that the piano she is playing still exists today. Can't even say the word exists now. And she was on a record label called Parlophone. Parlophone was also the record label of the Beatles. And that piano was used, the same piano, uh, on Penny Lane and with a little bit of help from my friends. We've got a little clip. Penny Lane, there is a barber showing photographs Of every head he's had the pleasure to know and all Hear it? That's the same piano that Mrs Mills played. Because it sounded like that. What they'd done is they doctored the piano to sound metallic and very old and knackered, if you'll pardon the, the French. Not that it's French. but um, And so that piano still exists. It's still down there. At the studios, at the at the studios where Abbey Road, where the Beatles recorded, and it became known, and it's still known now as Mrs Mills's piano. They heard it, and they went, "Oh, I like that sound. That sound works for Penny Lane and for with a little help from my friends." And so what they did was they used the same piano. So the same piano for Mrs Mills was used in the Beatles, and yet they were poles apart. She was playing that sort of honky tonk stuff, and they were doing what I thought now is is even you know stunningly brilliant and stunning, stunningly clever when you listen to all the Beatles stuff. And you can go online, you can find that on, on YouTube. They did a documentary on it. And uh, Mrs Mills's music, I mean, she had a jumbo party uh, and she was feeding elephants and all that. She was a big lady, but she played honky-tonk piano. I think you'll find that there's quite a few pianists over the years who've actually played the same sort of thing. Unfortunately, you know, she'd had sort of lots of... Uh, Lots of sort of problems in her own life. But she played piano and she was jolly. But it's the fact that she played the same piano that the Beatles heard and they wanted to incorporate that into two of their songs. I mean, how gifted were they, for goodness sake? How gifted were they? That's my little story for this morning. It's one you can repeat and go, and that piano still exists and it's called Mrs Mills's Piano because it was, uh, because it was doctored. Uh, the BBC boobed at ten. They had a news programme and unfortunately there was a pair of boobs. They have to apologise. They have to apologise for everything on the BBC. I think it's just the BBC. We're sorry. I think it's easy. They should have a disclaimer in front of every programme. This is the BBC. Good morning. We're sorry. And then that covers everything, doesn't it? We're sorry we've wasted your money. We're sorry we're paying people huge amounts of money. We're very sorry and we don't want to apologise ever again, which kind of covers it. And we're sorry about everything, really. I'd like to apologise. I'd like to apologise on behalf of people who don't possess an umbrella because you're going to get very wet today. And people who don't have a Mac. You know, years ago, people had... Macintoshes. I know, seems old-fashioned, doesn't it? But uh, nobody has a Macintosh now. We have coats, which are called showerproof, but it's not quite the same, is it, as having, you know, the big umbrella. And there will be people standing there by bus stops today. We'll probably see some. The producer will have his hood up. It looks a little bit like sort of a slightly larger version of Paddington, but uh, he'll have that up there to sort of... Because we're going to get wet. We know we're going to get wet. We just don't want it to rain before 7 it's, is it not waterproof? Oh, God. See, I don't think mine's waterproof. I think it's showerproof. 
But showerproof is not waterproof, is it? It's a, it's sort of a bit, you know, the time you get on the bus, you sit, oh, God, it's horrible. But I've got my little umbrella, so I've checked that, so I'm going to be fine today. The rest of you, well, you just have to sort of make do and do the best you can, I suppose. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Sonia says, funny you should mention Mrs Mills. She used to live opposite my family in Rodding Road, Loughton in Essex. Yes, she was a very jolly lady with a raucous laugh. Very nice indeed. And uh, somebody says, Mrs Mills's style of playing is technically called striding. Stride? I've never even heard of that one before. You're our hero. Thank you. Roll out the barrel. Let's have a good old knees up with Mrs Mills. Steve says, John, I have an album of hers from the 50s, which belonged to my late mum, who taught Paul McCartney to play piano and George Harrison to play violin at uh, Rushworth and Dreeper in Liverpool. Good Lord, honestly. We've, we've unearthed a can of worms here, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Dry and Banstead. My name's Saul, and you have mentioned me before. Tar, says Saul. We're just bringing out all the Sauls today. We, we, we're going through this, this side of the Saul, I've decided. Pouring with rain in bushy, says Lynn, so the poor dog's going to get a bit damp. Prepare the little brolly. Rain is on the way, says John in Northampton. I'm travelling from London, and I've hit a wall of water. And then somebody here, Cheeky Paul, who drives a, a bus, he says, please stop slagging off the northwest when you've never been. I've been everywhere, mate. I've been everywhere. What are you talking about? I've been everywhere. I'm more travelled than you. You just sit on a bus and go from A to B. And you can't even do that by yourself. You have to be told which route to take. I've been everywhere. I've lived in Yorkshire. He says London is overcrowded. Not here. Not here. You can come round here now. There's loads of room. We're open Monday to Friday. You can pop in and uh, see us. And then you can leave for the weekend. Oh, it's very quiet. Very quiet. It's not overcrowded at all. Overrated? Over- it's London. With a capital. What are you talking about? We're, we're not overrated. Good heavens above. He says an overpriced. Overpriced? Are you mad? Of course we are. That's the whole idea. We have people who come down from up north and we, we up the prices. We see you and you go, a up, and you go, uh, add an extra pound. Um, a up, Chucky, love. Are you all right? Should we take whip it out? And we go, that's an extra three quid straight away, isn't it? And so you think London's really expensive. He said, come and spend a day with me on my bus. You are joking. No, no, no thank you driver, I think it would be. Definitely. He says, um, he says, I'm telling the truth. Yeah, whatever. You're just a bus driver. Come on, stop pushing. Stop trying to big up your part. I'm a bus driver up, up north. Hello, 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 Rita. You all right? Everybody says hello to everybody on the buses. They all, in Manchester and all round there and in the northwest, everybody knows everybody's name. Harry, you all right, Harry? George, George is on, George is on Mildred. Hello. Oh, sorry. Anyway, they're all up there, aren't they? Uh, Harrogate is lovely, says Julia. They have a Betty's. Lovely cakes and biscuits. Well worth a visit. Go for the flower show. 15th to the 17th of September. Uh, Ron says, I'm half of 105 and I find it a chore to get up in the mornings. And uh, Matt says, love the show. Of course. Uh, my girlfriend, is it uh, her what? Aoife. Aoife. Is from Cobe. Is that how you pronounce it? We're not sure... We don't know the pronunciation of that one. He says, you're lucky she wasn't listening to your pronunciation. Welcome to my world of pain. We got, oh, it's Irish, is it? So I wouldn't know. So C-O-B-H is, pro- we don't know how that's pronounced. Even the producer doesn't know. So we're out on a limb on that one. I'm sorry. Grace says, uh, friends are coming for dinner tomorrow. I bought nine mini brownies to share with them with coffee, but I ate all of them. We're going to be going for coffee out, so it isn't too bad. I don't usually buy high fat and high sugar food. Well, I mean, you mustn't. It's very bad for you. Oh, I've lost these Yorkshire puddings. They were definitely at home the other day, and I do not remember eating Yorkshire pudding. What's going on in my life? I hunted around the kitchen. I thought perhaps I, I thought I'd put them in the fridge. Well, I didn't. They weren't there. Steve, didn't Russ Conway play a similar piano to Mrs Mills? And I think a lady called Winifred Atwell. 
Yes, I remember Winifred Atwell, definitely. It was, I wish that I'd, I wish I'd learned to play piano. I can, I can play um, recorder, and I can sort of just about get away with, um, with flugelhorn, which is like cross between a cornet and a, and a trumpet. But I wish I could play the piano. I'd love to be able to just go to a piano and just play some. Oh, God, what a gift that would be. Uh, interesting fact, says Bernie. Read the late Mrs. Mills and the Beatles piano connection. Still there. And uh, another one says, uh, it's still dry in Enfield, Steve, but I love lying in bed listening to your programme. See, it's great. If you don't have to get up, there's no point, is there? It, it can be quite nice just lying there thinking, I don't want to get out of bed. It's cosy. I could just I'll close my eyes for a little bit and then you drift. I do that sometimes. And then I suddenly I go into a panic mode and I think I need to get out of bed as, as quickly as possible. <laughs> uh, David says, completely dry in Stevenage. Thank you, Chiltern Hills, for shielding us. The Chiltern Hills, isn't that lovely? That sounds very romantic, actually. Uh, why not go up to Piccadilly and buy a barber coat? Says Iceman. I've got a barber, actually, but I've, I bought the green one. And I don't like it, actually. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I give things away to people. Uh, the only problem, says Dan in Essex, with a Macintosh, it has the same problem as my waterproof work coat. Unless you have the trousers to match your top half... Unless you have your... Uh, to match your top half is completely dry, but you're sodden from the thigh down. Well, I'm like that normally. You know, they normally say there's Steve Allen with his sodden thighs. They always say that. It's dreadful. No rain in Benfleet yet, says Dan in Essex, trying to make himself sound grand. And uh, somebody else saying interesting facts on the programme this morning. I like to find different things. Somebody will phone me up and they'll tell me a story about something. And I'll normally store it. And I said to this friend of mine yesterday, I said, I'm going to use that. I, I, I like that story, the, the connection between Mrs. Mills and the Beatles, and you could hear it both. Isn't that amazing? A friend of mine did a... Oh, I can't tell you, because it was, it, was uh, it was sort of... He was listening to classical music and thinking to himself, good Lord, that sounds like music in this show or that show. Or that, you know, lots of similarities between classical music. I heard a piece in Billy Elliot, which sounds very similar to a piece of music in the musical Metropolis. Now, whether or not it comes as plagiarism, I've got no idea, but it did sound very similar to me. But because I loved Billy Elliot so much, and I thought it was such a great show and, and just so moving and just so brilliant, I'm now addicted to it on YouTube. I find lots of different clips from around the world, the Chinese version, the, uh, the German version, the French. I don't think there is a French version, actually. But it's just such a good show. It was, and the, the kids were so good in it. And Elliot Hanna was the one who, I think, did the last, the last night of it where they went live and uh, they brought all the Billies back on again. And that was a special moment. And I think Elliot's gone on to, I hope, fame and fortune because I think he's, he started off as a little lad because they were all between, I think, 9 and 12. And I think now he must be about 18, 19, and he's like, shot up. But uh, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, as indeed they all were. I, th- I, I was just so blown away. Apparently, Cove is pronounced Cove. Cove. So there you go. Apologies to everybody in Ireland. I'm so sorry. I'm dreadful, actually, at things like that. We're in Sheffield for the Special Olympics representing Greater London. Rained all day yesterday, Steve. We got very wet at the opening ceremony uh, last night. Raining again today, but it won't dampen the spirits of the participants. It's a fantastic atmosphere. Thank you, Jacqueline, very much indeed. See, everybody's listening to this. It's like yesterday when we didn't get the papers in. Turned out the people in the depot where they come from, in Dagenham, were were listening to the programme and got got them sent in. It's what we like. It's what we like on this programme. You know, we like people to listen in. We like people to, to be there every morning because it's, it's not the best time, is it, for everybody? You wake up and you think, oh, I've got uh, insomnia or I'm not very well. 
And, in fact, really, you can turn on the radio every single morning and you can find some radio that you can listen to. So that's good news, which is why everybody tunes in and listens. Don't forget, Matt Fry is here for breakfast this morning, just after the news at 7. We'll run through what he's going to be talking about in a in a few minutes' time. Plus, we'll go through the front pages of the papers. They've got uh, Philip Green's daughter and, uh, as I say, the world's most brazen couple, they say. He's been in prison and um, she's got a slightly dodgy father. Uh, the son running with the questions must be answered on the kidnap model. Something... Not, I don't know what it is. I wish I could tell you that I understood what the story was. I understand what they're telling us. I'm just... It's the only one that I've had in, in quite a while, actually, where you sort of think... Something's not right here. I don't think I'm gaining everything that I should be on that. Steve, I went uh, up north to York, nowhere to park, so I went to Harrogate instead, and it poured with rain. But Mick says, I did have my Pac-A-Mac. Good Lord, honestly. And Dave says, can I have your barber coat? You look the same athletic body shape as me. I can collect it. (sighs) Oh, honestly. Uh, Neil says, I was on the bus yesterday, and several passengers insisted on thanking the driver for leaving the bus. I smiled. And thought of your views on it. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. I like people to sit on the bus and think about me. Jan says, talking about Mrs Mills's piano being at Abbey Road Studios, my grandson and his band uh, are recording at the studios this afternoon. I've asked him to try and get a photo. Oh, that would be a treat, wouldn't it? A treat of Mrs Mills, Mrs Mills's piano that she recorded on and the Beatles played. I mean, that is, it's like the Holy Grail. You know, little help from my friends and Penny Lane. Ooh, come on, get a picture of it. Ask somebody if necessary. Ask somebody. You know, have you got Mrs Mills's piano and is it possible? Because I think it's only in one of the studios. I think it must be the big studio. Um, can, is it possible to get a picture of it? Because Steve Allen at LBC mentioned it on the radio yesterday and I just want to see a piece of iconic equipment. The fact it's still around is a miracle. I love that. I think that's... Oh, great. Oh, do, do try and get a picture. I think that would be brilliant, Jan. I'll keep my fingers crossed. Actually, I was keeping my fingers crossed for a, a lady friend of mine who had a doctor's appointment yesterday to, uh, to find out how the, uh, how the pregnancy is going. And I promised to say an extra special prayer for her. And uh, I've got my fingers crossed this morning because uh, I know that she'll be listening to the programme. And I know that uh, I'm hoping it's going to be good news for her. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 26 minutes to seven. Apparently the rain's all over. I love the way people tell me where the rain is. So we're definitely going to get very, very wet today. But uh, hopefully not. Take an umbrella. Take your raincoat. Take a plastic bag. Put it over your head. Because uh, otherwise you're going to ruin your hair, aren't you? Coming up on Nick Ferrari at breakfast with Matt Fry this morning. Donald Trump has vowed North Korea could be met with fire and fury if it continues to threaten the US. Was the president right to be alarmed by Pyongyang? A report shows only 8% of animal cruelty, cruelty convictions result in prison. Should more people go to jail in the name of animal welfare? I think that's a straightforward yes, isn't it? Plus, children as young as five have been excluded from school for sexual misconduct. Matt will be speaking to an educational psychologist who used to teach, used to, teach to find out why. I mentioned this earlier on, five years old. I didn't know it was sexual misconduct. At five! Good God, honestly, things have moved on a pace, haven't they? Uh, all with Nick Ferrari at breakfast with Matt Fry this morning from 7 here on LBC. It's that Trump thing, isn't it? I mean, I, I said earlier on, I think we're standing on the edge of an abyss. Somebody somewhere is going to make a big mistake. And then all hell is going to break loose and it's going to be in our lifetime. Or failing that, you know, little short fat bloke in North Korea needs to sort of, you know, get his head in gear and stop posturing and showing off 
and Trump needs to just sort of step back a little bit. We need to look at it. We don't want to get, uh, get into that situation, do we? Uh, Steve, they apparently layered four pianos on Penny Lane, saw it on Howard Goodall's show. Okay, but it's the same piano. It's the same piano. Uh, Brighton Pride was amazing, Steve. We missed you. Pet Shop Boys and uh, Years and Years. Truly magic. Next year must pop down, says David, in Brighton. Yes, uh, a friend of mine went and she took some friends down to it. And uh, it's always good down there. But the Pet Shop Boys, I've already seen the uh, the clips. Thank you. Look fantastic. Uh, JP, the trolley dolly, says, thankfully, the rain is stopping gradually in Leicestershire, which may be bad news as it's probably heading south, although I'm going to have a swim up the garden to get into the street. That's how it's going to be, isn't it? So Cove is how you pronounce that uh, that place in Ireland. Well, at least I know. It's always easy when somebody writes it down for you. You can't be expected to understand everything because there are different pronunciations, aren't there, really? And uh, eventually we get there. Right, the front pages of the papers at 24 minutes to 7 on what could be a very, very wet Wednesday morning. The Guardian. Uh, they've got, can beavers save us from flooding? And the answer is, Probably. Because they know how to build down. I think beavers are really clever. Don't you think beavers are clever? I think beavers are amazing. Amazing. They tried to reintroduce them, I think, in certain parts of Scotland. And uh, and they just look absolutely fantastic. My friend Paul says, here's John being Mrs Mills on this piano. Where did you find that from? Also used on Lady Madonna. Dum, 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 dum. Oh, good Lord. Well, there you go. So we found an extra song as well. Thank you. Look at that piano. Honestly, I'm so excited by seeing this. It's like, it's like going into Tutankhamun's tomb. You know, that must have been the excitement that they find it. This is the Holy Grail. This is the piano. It looks like being held together with tape and everything else. Fantastic, isn't it? God, honestly. Nice piece of history. I love a bit of history to do with things. And I love the idea that people would say, oh, this is this and, and this was used. And you think, is it really? My, my dream is to find um, a stage curtain. And Paul Fear will know this, uh, this one. This is the stage curtain that at the Wood Green Empire was used when Chongling Su, who was William Robinson, but playing a Chinaman on stage, pretended he didn't speak any English. He was shot in the bullet-catching trick, which I think Paul Daniels recreated some years ago on the television, uh, with uh, Chongling Su's wife, Sui Si. And I, I'm of the firm opinion, Su, um, this rifle uh, shot the bullet out... And he was supposed to catch it between his teeth, but he didn't. It killed... I know it's... I know. It just just go along with the story. But anyway, it, it killed him. He died on the stage of the Wood Green Empire, uh, which doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. But I'm firmly of the opinion that somewhere, somewhere, somebody's got in a basement. Somebody will turn on a basement light and go down. There will be the stage curtain from the Wood Green Empire, which was used to wrap Chung Ling Su in after he was shot dead. And there were all sorts of conspiracy theories that his wife was having an affair or something. Anyway, all sorts of the guns were doctored and all that kind of stuff. But I'm firmly of the opinion that somewhere there is this basement. And somebody's, oh, we've not been down here for years. Go down there. And there is this huge curtain which which was wrapped around the body. That's That's the sort of thing. It's like somewhere I'm convinced there is a warehouse in this country where half of our stuff is because when we came back from abroad, we lost a few packing cases and there's all sorts of strange things which are probably sitting somebody going, what's that? They go, God knows. Because when you look at it years later, it doesn't look like it. But I'm totally convinced that there are things out there. David Copperfield, the magician, collects an awful lot of magic. In fact, he buys up all sorts of things. He has a warehouse just outside Vegas and uh, it's on invitation only. 
and he's got stuff in there that magicians can only dream about. Seriously, he, he buy, because he's so rich, he can afford to buy everything. There are certain people who collect magic. I collect little bits in my own way. But that curtain from the Wood Green Empire, that would be something, wouldn't it? Something really would. You know, the, um, the Liberace Museum has opened up again in Vegas. It uh, closed down because they wanted to turn the shopping mall that it was in into a housing estate or something. Anyway, so it all went into moth piles. Now it's turned up. There are two museums. One is the cars and the costumes. And I think it's something like $120 to go. The reason it's so expensive is because they only allow in 12 people a day to go to it, and it's a three-hour escorted tour. And I thought, blimey. Because when I saw it, uh, it had all of his costumes in there. The feathers were looking... Feathers are a bit difficult to keep in costumes, but Liberace's costumes. His house is all being done up. They've done away with the swimming pool. They put something else in place of it. And the house in Vegas has all been looked after as well. But uh, all of his costumes, because everything was built in three sizes, all his clothes, it was sort of reasonably normal, big, and then, oh, my God. And he had a wardrobe, and each one had the different sizes in, so he could, um, he could do it, because his weight fluctuated an awful lot. And I thought, it, he'd, be so, he'd be so pleased. Oh, by the way, his uh, ex-boyfriend, Scott Thorson, is back in prison again. He had a, they let him out, for the, uh, out of prison for the film premiere, because Scott Thorson featured quite heavily in it. He was Liberace's boyfriend, although Liberace uh, never really admitted that he was gay or had boyfriends or anything like that. And so Scott Thorson had problems with cocaine and various other things. And anyway, Liberace testified against him and he went to prison. They allowed him out for the film, but the, uh, the reason was he was on licence as to he wouldn't touch drugs again. Unfortunately, he went back on drugs, so back in prison he goes, I think, for another ten years and he's probably, he must be about his middle 50s now. And uh, he was the one who sold the... Uh, basically, the, the story was his. The film story. Liberace's autobiography said, talked about... Girl, he's back in prison again, is he? 58, is he? Oh, well, there you go. Going out today. Jeff Marlowe. Jess Marlowe. Really? Well, I should imagine, because everybody knows who he is, really. Very, I mean, it's an interesting story, because he was with Liberace at the time of Liberace's fame, when he was, the, you know, the best-paid star... In America, but he's currently incarcerated in uh, the Northern Nevada Correctional Center. Doesn't it sound exciting? It makes it, as opposed to just saying prison, uh, under the name Jess Marlowe. But that was based on the film Behind the Candelabra, was based on Thorson's book, which I have. And he said, for every time you read Liberace's biography and it mentions girls he went out with, substitute that for young men. That's what Liberace was. But he didn't want to be because it was a different time. In fact, he sued, as you know, Liberace sued over here. Cassandra, writing in the mirror, who basically called him a, a, a fruit-flavoured puffball or something. And, um, and he sued and he won. He won. Cassandra was, uh, was a gossip columnist and was claiming, basically, that he was gay. And uh, Liberace was having none of it. He took him to court and he won. The judge asked him, do you wear perfume? Yes, I do. I like to smell nice for my fans, says Liberace. It was the biggest show trial in history. Very interesting. Anyway, leave that to one side. Uh, so The Guardian. Suspected norovirus hits dozens of athletes. So glad I'm not an athlete. Although I was. I was at one time. I mean, I was, I was actually quite, uh, quite athletically minded. I've got cups and medals. I think given to me out of sympathy. Uh, the Daily Mail. The world's most brazen couple. This is poor old uh, Chloe Green and her ex-gangster boyfriend, Jeremy... Oh, dear. I think there may be trouble ahead on this one. 30,000 illegal bids to get to the UK from Calais this year. Migrants have made 30,000 attempts. I mean, it's, there's just no way that we can stem the tide of these people. 
at all. Uh, the Mirror today, Abramovich, the £7 billion divorce and a prima ballerina. He's, uh, he's just got a roving eye and he sort of, once he finishes with people, it's only the first wife, didn't get anything. I don't think he had very much money then. Now he's got, got about £7 billion. Uh, how much did the last wife get? I think we said yesterday, £155 million. Pounds. I could live with that. I could cope with that, couldn't you? If Roman Abramovich said, would you like to marry me? The good news is, he doesn't drink and he doesn't smoke. It's going to be a dull Saturday night in, isn't it, really? But he does have a billion-pound uh, boat, a little bit bigger than something you'd find on the Serpentine, and he's got a house in London worth £125 million. You know, it's OK if you, can, if you can slum it. And he's got a football club, you know, if you really want it. But uh, all you have to do is just sort of be friends with him. I think he'd be quite interested. I'd like to talk to him. He'd make a really good in-conversation guest because you'd want to know, wouldn't you, exactly what his life is like. I mean, do you, th- do you think he nips out for a quarter pounder with cheese and large fries? Or do you think he's sort of got better taste now? Because he's only a market trader who's done well. But do you think that he, he sort of does ordinary things? I don't know. Or do you think he likes the fine things in life? Like, well, he doesn't do fine wines. So that wouldn't make any difference at all. Glenn Campbell, dead at 81. I think that was Glenn, if you're listening, on your cloud. I think that was a very, very good innings. I really do. I know it's not much hope to people, but uh, he left such a, a back catalogue of songs, some really, really good stuff. And uh, I shall go back today. And uh, as the rain pelts down outside, I shall be on YouTube watching Glenn Campbell. I think he's up there in concert and everything else and, um, and relive some very happy memories. The Manchester Airport plot, uh, Ryanair bomber, first picture of the would-be attacker with a device in the bag, another person who's got half their brain missing. This is Nadim Mohammed, who, pictured for the first time here, found to have a crude bomb in his hand luggage. He attended to detonate it in the confines of the Boeing 737, but he was caught, so nothing at all. Stupid person. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Thank you to Vivian, who tells me Cove is a lovely place near Cork. Sounds like, you know, I've never been to Ireland. Out of all the things I've done, I've never been to Ireland. I should do. I was born on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Neasy says, Steve, my nan had Mrs. Mills records. I remember her. And Simon says, as a Brit living in Las Vegas, I look forward to hearing your sharp tongue and wit. You always brighten my day. I've got a friend out there as well called Ian, who's on the radio. Who's lovely? Uh, Steve, the police may have the stage curtain retained as a scene exhibit, says Mick. No, they haven't. They really haven't. And uh, and Paul says, the Wood Green Empire curtain sounds like the Turin Shroud of magic. Great night coming up at the Circle next Monday. Short lectures from Guy Hollingworth. Uh, also, Geoffrey Durham and your friend Graham P. Jolly, among others. Graham P. Jolly. We love Graham P. Jolly. We used him on so many shows. So many shows, which is uh, good. Uh, Steve, I know you can't give details, said Joe, but do you know how the bullet-catching trick is done? Yes. <laughs> God, I tell you. And Chris says, several years ago, I took my band to Abbey Road Studios for my 50th birthday. Recorded Mess of the Blues on the old Steinway, known as Mrs. Mills's Piano. Fantastic to play this iconic instrument in the famous Studio 2. Love the show, as always. And uh, Steve-O says, I collect Mrs Mills record covers. Good Lord. I've got over 30 and have displayed them at an exhibition. Most are party-themed and are very funny. Only three remain that I haven't got their overseas editions. And read the Mrs Mills. The honky-tonk effect was created by putting drawing pins on the hammers. Well, they painted it with, with a paint. It was a metallic paint to give it that, uh, that sound. And you, you hear it on all sorts of records. Um, I can't think of... There was one that came to my mind a minute ago, and it, it's gone again now. But uh, my piano teacher told me that 50 years ago. Well, it definitely wasn't drawing pins on these hammers. Definitely wasn't on this one, Stuart. Up north in Shaw, 
which is near Oldham. Read the Mrs Mills piano, Stephen Crew. We never read that one before. It was Stephen Crew. Uh, is that the one that Rick Waitman, in conversation with you, said he played? I can't remember, Anne. Uh, she's, we think it was, yes. We think it was, yes. She says, read toast. My local bakers, called Greenhags, have just started doing loaves made of crumpet dough. Oh, that sounds quite interesting. Does it, does it, does it cut as well? And uh, when I was young, says, uh, says Jew, I, we saw Mrs Mills in a Christmas show with Leslie Crowther. Leslie Crowther. Uh, Steve says, I thought you could play the banjo. Or was that a little fib? Well, I don't like to make a big deal about it, but uh, I'm not at liberty to discuss things that happened years ago on the programme. Steve, North Korea is like an annoying little dog jumping and barking at a bulldog and then wonders why the bulldog bites back. Yes. David says, uh, what's happened to John Warrington? Oh, he's working very hard as an estate agent. Uh, sorry, as a travel agent, which is what he did beforehand. He's, he's a very busy boy. I see him every so often. I see him every so often. Uh, Steve, the 1970s gave us quite a few talented pianists, who you've already mentioned. There's another lesser-known pianist who's called... Have you, have, you, have you checked out that pianist there, just in case I'm saying something I shouldn't? I'm always sort of very wary of somebody writing into a name that I've never heard of, actually. Uh, and, wait a minute, he's an English boogie-woogie and stride... There we go, that word stride comes in again, stride piano player. Uh, Neville Dickey. But he served in the RAF, actually. He's played on hundreds of BBC radio broadcasts. BBC Local Radio, which is lovely, isn't it? And um, he sold over... His, his hit album, Back to Boogie, has sold over 100,000 copies. Regularly appears at festivals in the United States. There you go. The things we learn. That uh, he's released one MP called The Robin's Return. Google him up. He's also... Uh, he's active today with his own jazz club in Guildford, says Jim. Well, they, we're happy to give him a mention. On the programme. Somebody will now bump into him and say, you won't believe this, Neville, but you were mentioned on Steve Allen's pro. Not Steve Allen's show, he'll say. Uh, front of the sun this morning, 16 questions that must be answered on the kidnap model. They're all very suspect about this one. I don't know why. I can't quite work it out. There's something odd. She comes back from an ordeal and there's so many... You'll have to read the questions yourself. There's too many of them. 16, as I say. And, uh, and then she changes her agent for a celebrity agent. You'd think she'd be getting medical help, having been traumatised like that, but there you go. Free devil boy, caught with knife. Fiend has new ID, like Bulger Killers. One of two devil brothers who taught... Oh, I remember this one, who tortured a pair of young lads. is back in jail months after they were freed for having a knife. The younger thug, now 18, convinced judges in December he was a reformed character. But uh, he and his brother were given new identities to preserve their anonymity. A source said the boy who lives in a house with a beware of the kids sign should now be publicly named. It's the worst secret justice of the worst kind. Wow. So uh, I remember that story very well indeed. Very, I didn't know they were freed. Blimey. Bit of a worry, isn't it? Uh, the Daily Express, we forecast a torrid summer of migrant chaos and already 115,109 have managed to land in Europe. And what do they do? Who knows? The month of rain to fall today... We're going to get um, inches, a good, I mean, I think a good four inches, one and a half, oh, only one and a half inches. Oh, it's not much between it, is it? Three inches, one and a half inches, four, four and a half inches. But uh, you're going to get that today. Rachel Riley, why I have no plans to marry again, which is what she told us in our interview for In Conversation, which uh, is still available to podcast. In fact, as is everything, all the celebrities, you can go back, goodness knows how many years, and you can download and enjoy the uh, celebrities that we've spoken to. Over the years, 84850, Steve at LBC, 
www.jazzfestival.co.uk. Uh, definition of jazz is five guys on stage, says Dave, playing five di- different songs. <laughs> do you know, it's the only music I never liked, actually. I never, I never got into jazz. I can do classical. I can do pop. I can do, I can do rap to a certain extent. I just do not get jazz. I haven't been to Ronnie Scott's. I have no interest. In fact, strange enough, we were at Little Italy over the road from Ronnie Scott's, and the one thing I said when we came out, I said, you know, I've never been in Ronnie Scott's after all these years. It doesn't interest me. And yet I've interviewed a lot of, of jazz singers. Cleo Lane was a regular who used to come. We loved Cleo Lane. She was fabulous. And, uh, and loads of other people. But it just, it just doesn't kind of do it for me. It really didn't. Daily Star this morning. Uh, the pizza joke wears thin for Victoria. I should bloody well think so too. She's seeking legal advice. I warn the fish and chip shop now. Don't mess with the Beckhams. Don't mess with Victoria Beckham. You've put her down as an anorexic icon. I'd be very careful. Very careful. To make fun of somebody who had an eating disorder, you know, which came out in her autobiography. You should learn. In fact, you will. Uh, Please probe page three sex slave claim. Doubts grow over Chloe kidnap. It's an odd one. I re- I seriously, I, I don't. I don't know where this one's going. I'm just. I'm just slightly disturbed by it. There's something about it that doesn't doesn't work with me, and I don't. I don't know what it is. But there you go. I mean, there's loads of things that I don't understand in heaven and earth. Um, the Times this morning. Uh, Bake Off is better without cake. Because it's, I mean, I'm just bored with baking programmes, aren't you? Bored with them. Jogger Rage, runner flings woman in path of bus. He's going to be named by tomorrow morning. They're going to, somebody will recognise him. They must do. If you don't, somebody's hiding him. He should come forward and go to the police and say it was me. Because he's in every paper today. Uh, Trump says, I'll hit North Korea with fire and fury. Oh, good, fireworks. Lovely, we're a good banger, don't we? And a couple of sparklers. Uh, it's a bit of a worry, isn't it? As we sort of sit there thinking, this is not going to end well. We don't like it at all. Uh, Pyongyang's nuclear warheads could reach the US mainland. But then presumably before they actually get to that stage, I'm assuming that they explode in, in the air. That's what I'm assuming. I don't know how it, uh, how it works with these nuclear warheads. But I think what they do is they send up another one which tracks it and then it explodes it. But then it depends where it is at the time, doesn't it? Uh, have you ever had a cronut? Says Lloyd. I think I might have done, actually. I think I might have done. It's a cross between a croissant and a donut. Yeah, I mean, I, I seem to remember this. Why do I remember this? This story, I think, came up some time ago. Yes, I, I do, actually. Uh, Steve, colder than I expected this morning. Had to turn on the heated seats in the car. I, I, I don't use the heated seats. Seriously, it make, makes you feel as though you've got something the matter with you. And uh, Gary says, I witnessed two men on a moped last night with balaclavas on a ride up to uh, another motorbike at the traffic lights and attempt to push him off his bike. Luckily, he managed to arrive off quickly. These people need to be locked up. Yes, we have to, uh, we have to give the police new powers to make sure these people are taken off the streets as quickly as possible. Let's lock them up somewhere. I'll, I'll, I'll lock them up. I don't have any problem with things like that. Uh, revealed why all newsreaders really dress the same. I suppose they do, don't they? What do you expect them to see them in? New, you know, sort of T-shirts and everything? Uh, the rise in super nannies for teens, pop-ins for hire... And Glenn Campbell on the front of the Telegraph today. The rhinestone cowboy has died, aged 81. That's nice. And also the PC password guru who says I got it wrong. I've given up with passwords. Seriously, there's so many of them I have to keep changing all the rest of it. Sadly, I've got to leave you. Uh, I don't want to, but I'm I'm going to have to because Matt Fry is uh, waiting downstairs. And he's got breakfast for you this morning. Uh, If you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, you can uh, find the app, which is very easy, which you download free, free, for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. And you get the free podcasts and you get all the other little bits and pieces which we offer you. But I urge you to get it just for the free podcast. I have one every single day. 
Uh, and, uh, and it's good. So just lbc.co.uk. We'll all be back tomorrow. I say we'll all be back tomorrow morning. I'll be back tomorrow morning. Same producer will be here. He's counting down the days to his holiday. It's like the advent calendar in the studio, you know, opening another door. Oh, look, piece of chocolate. Whoopee! And uh, three to go. He's getting very excited. Two, two now to go. He's very excited about it. I'm back tomorrow morning. Well, he's back as well tomorrow morning. And that'll be between four and seven. Do follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. I'll let you know tomorrow how we get on at Waterloo. Now we're doing it a bit earlier today. Leading Britain's conversation at ten, it's James O'Brien. But up next, Nick Ferrari at breakfast with Matt Fry. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.